On this episode, we discuss Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. The movie that dares to ask and answer the question, what's the proper place for a battle of titans between a man of steel who represents all of our best and a man of the night who fights for justice? Answer, a filthy abandoned men's room. <laughs> And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Ooh, wow. It's me, Stuart Wellington. And over here, it's me, Elliot Kalin. Oh, wow. Elliot sounds different. Smoky. Hey, guys. I decided I'd stop using that crazy, high-pitched nerd voice I've been using all this time <laughs> and use my own natural voice that you guys are used to hearing outside of the podcast. Oh, I mean, I appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners appreciate it. It's a little bit like getting a smooth chocolate bath in your ear. And up to to this point, I decided the listeners weren't worth it. But you know what? If you've stuck with it this long, hear my natural voice. Wow, there's a little bit of a southern twang there, too. Southern New Jersey, I'm assuming. Well, no, I grew up in (laughs) Nolens. Oh, wow, the Big Easy. The Big Easy, we call it. You know, uh, when my grandmammy was making gumbo on a voodoo stew pot, Mardi Gras, Bourbon Street jazz, Mm -hmm. uh, what's some other New Orleans stuff? uh, They used to call it Craw Daddies, Beignets, Quadrilles, is that what they dance there? (laughs) Beignets. Beignets is a donut. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, yay. For these beignets. <laughs> Not even a joker. <laughs> nope. Dan. Oh, uh, uh, oh Dan, you. <laughs> that joke knocked the knocked the cool right out of my voice. <laughs> now I'm back to sounding like this. It reminds me of the the online commenter who was like, why does that guy put that fake voice on? Oh, the online commenter? As yeah. if that was one person who asked that? <laughs> oh, I think I think uh, Elliot's wife, Danielle, has asked that question. Uh, too, okay, that's too harsh. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> What, it's too harsh to assume that she listens to our podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Stu. Okay. It's funny because it's true. She doesn't know what this is about. So it's 2017, guys. It's not not your daddy's year. (laughs) And so we watched that. I mean, considering. Literally, not the year my daddy was born. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) So now we're watching uh, Not Your Daddy's superhero movie, Bats and Soup's Dawn of Justice. What a smooth segue. But first, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? This is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And Stuart, you already mentioned, what's the movie we watched? Well, see, this is not your daddy's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Stuart's just been doing this all night with everything. He's he's like, took a sip of his beer. He's like, "Mm, this is not your daddy's beer. Walks off, entering the bathroom. Time to take not your daddy's poop. (laughs) (laughs) Of course not. That'd be crazy. Keep it in a Ziploc bag and stuff it in my pocket. (laughs) Yep. And then just dump it in the toilet. (laughs) And how did I get it? Did I trick him into shitting into a bag? I don't know. I I don't know why you're... Dad has you taking care of his poop disposal? No, he maybe? said your dad. It's, not, it's, it's your, your dad. dad. This is certainly my daddy's <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, That's so, how matter works, Dan. <laughs> it can neither be created nor destroyed, even poop. So you're saying that because you're the spawn of your dad, mm-hmm. your poop is Al inherently Simmons, your daddy's yeah, spawn. poop. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you were to, I'm assuming if you took a DNA sample. Nope. <laughs> it would be the same. <laughs> Not nope. at all. Not in the least. I'm not Polly Perrette, the character from NCIS, the, the goth girl. Can't Come say on, I know dude. the names of any of the characters on NCIS. <laughs> Come on, All I know dudes. about the world of NCIS is if two people use a computer keyboard, it types faster. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's move on. So we watched... Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh-huh, a movie that was, uh, I guess, much hyped up when it came out, right? Everybody was pumped. Sure. Yeah. It was the sequel to Man of Steel, a movie I have yet to see. And I really didn't like. I saw the commercials for Man of Steel, and I said, I guess I'll have to stay, see that to stay current in the nerd discussion, debate. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I know I'm not going to like it, so I'm not going to see it. Yeah. And I didn't. And I never regretted it. Man of Steel was one of those movies. And it so, saved you from talking to all those nerds. Yeah, which was also nice. <laughs> or when I did talk to them, I could talk to them about like Dune or something I like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon e- Graham's Prophet. Every, something good. Oh, and the final book comes out next week. So Sorry to date the that. podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> People will listen to him and be like, oh, That's the days right. of yore when we were expecting Prophet Earth War to <laughs> come out. <laughs> In 3017, they'll know exactly what it is. Because well, they'll be dating it. That They'll be dating this as year zero BPEW mm-hmm. before Profit Earth War. <laughs> yeah. BPEW TPB. Because it's already been out in individual issues before Profit Earth War trade paperback. Yeah. Uh-huh. And next year will be one BPEW TPB <laughs> yeah. and so forth. And they'll literally be dating it because in the future you'll be able to date a podcast. That's the slippery slope. That's oh, the slippery wow. slope, Elliot. Uh, that this permissive society is allowing. I, I mean, we're going to have to fall pretty far down that slope to get to that point. Dan's working on a screenplay where somebody dates a podcast. It's, it's kind of like her yeah, or Ex Machina. I mean, the thing is, if if it's like her, then you could date the podcast by just g- listening <laughs> to the podcast and talking back to it as if you're having a conversation. Yeah. In a way, all you listeners are dating this podcast, I guess, mm-hmm. and that you have to listen to our gibber jammer. And much like most dates, Dan, it's Dan, not going to get you anywhere. Dan reveals a deep understanding of human relationships yeah, just that's there. The way it is. <laughs> that's what's putting is, up right? with gibber jammer. <laughs> Any sort of relationship with another humor, <laughs> with another humor, <laughs> with another humor. <laughs> you know, bile, black bile. Yeah, yeah, phlegm, <laughs> the other, uh, other stuff. <laughs> So, so okay, hmm. so ladies' man Casanova Dan McCoy hmm. uh, states that uh, interacting with another human being is just putting up with jibber jabber, <laughs> and Superman v Batman kind of bears that out because for a movie that it should be built around a fight between a guy in a red and blue circus costume and a man dressed as a flying rodent, there's a lot of jibber jabber in this movie. Uh, mm. and, and, and startling and amounts of no jibber jabber at all. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. So you, you were complaining early on that there were whole scenes where there was just no dialogue. That's true. But then the movie heard that complaint and reacted with too many scenes full of too much they're dialogue. They're like, oh, you want some dialogue? Here's Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Let's you know, what the weird just... voice that this movie has. Uh, it's me, Zack Snyder. Oh, wow. You hey, Zack Snyder, huge you fan. You may remember. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't refer to yourself by your actual title, visionary director, Zack Snyder. visionary director, <laughs> Zack Snyder. <laughs> it sounds a little like New Zealand. <laughs> I throw the fish and they come back to me. 
Who's the guy from the B-52s? Was that Fred Schneider? <laughs> Fred Schneider. Okay, so they're related. That's why. Oh, wait, Fred Schneider. Zack Snyder. Snyder. We're talking about two Snyder people, I think. <laughs> Spiders, pretzels, it's all coming together. Wait, look at that wall where I've got the, that yarn tacked up between headlines. <laughs> Tom Snyder, of oh, course. Man. Batman 66 is again. <laughs> so let's run quickly run through the plot. There's a lot of plot in this movie, but it's mostly nonsensical and incomprehensible. So this movie picks up, uh, picks up in the ashes of Man of Steel. Well, it retcons Man of Steel so that Bruce Wayne was at the site of the climactic destruction of Metropolis. Bruce Wayne hears about it, takes a helicopter there, drives into the city so that he can save, like, three people, Mm -hmm. I guess, which is more than nothing. And he single-handedly lifts a girder off the crushed legs of his employee, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's insane. Well, the best part is that uh, it isn't until he lands in his helicopter and the city is being attacked by alien spaceships and super beings that he calls up his, what, it was a... It's his headquarters there. Yeah, it was it was his business, and he's like, "Hey guys, you can all leave mm-hmm. <laughs> and you the get guy, the day off." And the employees are all in there in the building, looking out the window, watching destruction. And then they're like, "And the boss goes, okay, you can go.'" Yeah, and they all like start leaving. Clearly <laughs> counting down to five o'clock. They're like, "Oh shit, mm-hmm. guys, uh, I, you're not you're not fleeing that alien destruction until the Henderson report is on my desk. He's I like, need you to run, to run those numbers." Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, "It's going to count as a sick day, but you can go." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Be back in the rubble all the earlier the next morning. (laughs) Call HR tomorrow. This is a personal day unless you work Sunday. Ooh. Anyway. Besides, besides that, so we're, Bruce Wayne is we're given some lovely footage that of just calls carnage. to mind September 11th for all everybody. Oh yeah, Bruce forgotten. Wayne walks into a big cloud of dust and ash so that he can save the life of a little girl, and this makes him mad at Superman because Superman, I don't know, did all this. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I mean, you know, maybe he can't be blamed for Zod coming down and being shit up, but he can be blamed for. Maybe not leading Zod away from Metropolis mm-hmm. and just like instead just throwing him into buildings and shit. <laughs> which, at uh, least throw him into the IZOD store. Yeah. Which would at least be a play on words. Yeah, everyone would yeah. be delighted by that. <laughs> yeah, if he came walking out covered in IZOD clothes. And those little alligators. All, that's Lacoste. Never mind. What does IZOD have? Mm. I was going to say he got bitten by all the little alligators on the clothes, but that's Lacoste clothing. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lacoste is uh, French French for a crocodile. (laughs) French for the cost. (laughs) Oh, sure. Now, uh, Batman is mad. Bruce Wayne is Batman. But (laughs) what? (laughs) Sorry, Dan. I hate to break it to you this way. I've got to call the newspapers. We're given we're given a pretty quick rundown of the Batman uh, backstory origin. a little bit. We get just a, like a little bit of his origin, which is fine. We don't need a ton of it. No, no, no. But here's the thing: it's presented as an. Uh, non-linear silent tableau, the kind of thing Zack Snyder loves, of his parents being killed in a mugging, and then him finding, this is a, a scene from what, Batman Year One, or is it Dark Knight Returns? I don't remember. Where he finds the cave full of bats, and they mm-hmm. swirl around him. Yeah, as he runs away from the funeral. And at first he's scared, but according to the movie, the bats are flying around at such an enormous speed that the wind velocity <laughs> of it lifts him into the air and out of the hole, like like there's a some kind of blast of air underneath him, but it's slowly lifting him. Why, why, why do we fall, Mr. Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? 
it's it's such a and I guess the, a lot of the movie is, is the visual theme. You guys the missed it. Michael Caine was just here doing his oh. line. Oh, I missed it. Oh wow, sorry, uh, m- m- Sir Michael, are you still here? <laughs> I was just doing my line. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you doing an impression yeah, of somebody done, else? Okay. You're one. <laughs> the one line you're known for. I just stopped by and did my line. Just doing the most famous Michael Caine line. Why do we fall, Master Bruce? <laughs> People ask me all the time, why do we fall, Master Bruce? Alfie. <laughs> Mm. I told you you're only supposed to blow the why do we fall, Bruce. <laughs> okay. Woo, so got anyway, that out of my system. Uh, the, the visual themes in this movie are people flying, angel wings, yeah. bat wings. Yeah. Done and done. It's Batman versus Superman. Uh, Superman is being treated as a sort of Superman, like a god who's saving people all the time. And that makes certain people uncomfortable, <clears throat> specifically certain senators mm. and also – Lex Luthor, played by Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> also, Senators, played by Holly Hunter. The whole cast is overqualified, tipped to Diane Lane's in it for a little bit. Yep. I think the ghost of Cary Grant showed up at one point in the <laughs> big right. in the big party scene. <laughs> hello, hello, Batman, you crazy <laughs> Batman. <laughs> It's the worst impressions we've ever done. <laughs> it's a cavalcade of bad impressions here on the And then Humphrey fight. Bogart walked in. It's me, Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> oh, wow. You sound a lot different in person. I They use a lot of audio trickery oh, to cool. make me sound better. <laughs> hello, hello, it's me, Peter Lorre. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Named after, what, a streetcar? Named after a truck. That's what a lorry is. It's me, Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> da, 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 da. I make a real nice Philadelphia story for you. Just eh? for you, eh? We get on a gold pond, eh? <laughs> you old poop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says in it. We bring up a baby just for you, nice and hot. <laughs> <laughs> the last ethnic slur we can do, everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, we got some bats and soups. There's, uh, there, I'm we don't not, really see much Superman as his alter ego, Clark Kent. We get a little every bit. Every now and then. We get a sense like, that he's a very bad reporter. And we get the feeling like uh, Superman is is definitely apart from humanity. Yes. Clark- Even the scenes where he's like, there's a montage of him saving people and preventing disasters. But it's shot very darkly, and the music is ominous. The well, yeah, the to- and the tone of the whole movie is dark, ominous, except for like the last five minutes of the last of the climactic action scene. Basically, mm-hmm. the tone of the movie is like, "Hey, the Superman Batman movie. This is punishment that you're watching it. Like this is homework. Mm-hmm. This is not. This, this is a hair shirt for you to wear." <laughs> Comic nerd. <laughs> hey, you know what? This this movie about an ali- a flying alien, a handsome flying alien, who's going to have a fist fight with a wealthy billionaire with a supercar, this is repentance for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're atoning for something by watching this movie, and it's not going to be fun. No one's here to have fun, and if you start having fun, I'm turning the whole movie around me. Visionary director Zack Snyder. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm back again. <laughs> back again with my hit film, <laughs> Batman v Superman. It's going out to Janine in San Diego. <laughs> Here's Batman v Superman coming at you live. 
Now, Clark Kent. We got, we got a lot of uh, differing Zack Snyder voices. <laughs> well, he's here. a visionary. He can do many yeah. things. He, but you're right. Like, before Superman saves someone, he likes to float above them, just looking down at them mm-hmm. as if he, as if to establish, I'm better than you and I am deigning to save you. Like, he, this is a Superman. Yeah, yeah. There's a, it almost feels like he's like weighing the scales. Yeah. This is a Superman who I think really gets off on the power he holds over other people, which is... At least the perspective of the viewers that he has. Yes. I mean, which is a valid characteristic for a superhero character. It's an interesting way to look at it, like a character who is really, like, feels like a kind of... does feel a sense of kind of sinister empowerment by the fact that he can save people and he gets to choose whether to save them. But it's not the traditional view of Superman, which is as, like, the best guy in the world who just loves saving people and doing stuff. The Superman in this movie is often very late to saving people and very choosy. Like, he'll fly around the world to save a girl from a burning building, but if a bomb goes off in the Capitol building and he's standing right there, he just kind of leaves afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he, he is not a Superman mm-hmm. who, like, loves saving people. He just kind of does it begrudgingly, you know? But anyway. Yeah, it and does, he moves very, very slow and then super-duper fast. At the same time, Clark Kent is obsessed with this Batman story in Gotham. There's some kind of vigilante who's beating up. He seems to assume right off the bat that Batman is beating up mostly poor people, mm-hmm. which the movie doesn't quite bear out, and I don't know why Superman, why Clark Kent gets that assumption. Well, it's kind of weird. They they put a little bit of effort into establishing um, the uh, Bruce Wayne's backstory, but not really Batman's backstory in a way. Yeah. Because they just immediately... Unless I, I miss something, which could have happened. They, they immediately throw us into a situation where some police are <coughs> responding to something only to find uh, like a slave ring, like a women's slave ring, and uh, some baddie that Batman has chained to a, uh, a radiator. And then Batman's hanging from the ceiling. And that he chained to a radiator and then burned a bat symbol into with a brand. And that's apparently mm-hmm. not the first one he's done that to. That's his calling card. It's, you know, it's called publicity, Elliot. You got to yeah. get it out there. <laughs> so you got to make the brand. I mean, it literally is a brand. He's got to yeah. get his brand out there. And what better way than literally branding people? Mm-hmm. So there's a... Uh- now that IZOD is through the roof. <laughs> 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 and there's this great scene of him uh, hanging in the corner and the guy, the cop sees him and starts blasting shotguns at him. And he like skitters away like he's one of the demons <laughs> from Legion or something. <laughs> but the implication is, I mean, but the weird thing is that so Clark Kent seems to be mad that there's this vigilante on the loose, and the police in Gotham seem to be okay with it and aiding and abetting him. The policeman in this scene, he doesn't know what the hell he just saw. And they got—I was worried they were going to do what the first Tim Burton Batman movie did, where Batman is clearly a man in a suit, and he picks a guy up with his hands and says, I'm Batman. And then when the guy's arrested, he's like, it was a giant bat! A giant <laughs> bat attacked me! And it was like— a giant bad who had arms and like a face, and he talked to you and says, Did word man in his name? Like, it was some sort of leather daddy you attacked me. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what kind of bats this guy's seen, Elliot. But there's like a real. Yeah, it's true. That's a you good point. You don't know what his life experience is. I'm not a corrupterist. I don't know what, what, the, what a bat is really like. All I know is the bat gremlin from Gremlins 2, and that's all I need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of. They did those special effects in broad daylight, Elliot. That background one's amazing. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Look, it's great. 
one of my favorite things about that movie is when uh, when Dick Miller is fighting the Bat Gremlin and New Yorkers mm-hmm. are just walking by and not paying attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> and even as a kid, I loved that about it. I remember very well pointing that out to a babysitter who had to watch Gremlins 2 with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like that they just not, they've seen everything. They don't care. Mm-hmm. And the babysitter, I think, was doing her homework or something. Anyway, uh, there's a lot of kind of torture and rough imagery in this. Mm-hmm. The The epitome of it being what I think is the lowest point of the movie at the very end, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about it anyway. Later in the movie, Superman's mother has been kidnapped and he's confronted with a Polaroid of her gagged with the word witch written on her forehead and it looks like maybe she's been beaten. I don't know. And it's like, this is not... (laughs) What I want to well, see, in and it a looks, movie. it looks like she's like cried with her mascara on. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know if Ma Kent would have put on some mascara before her shift at the diner. So it feels like somebody put it on her before <laughs> they took the pictures. Uh, I mean, Diane Lane doesn't need the mascara, is what you're saying. I, that's what I'm saying, absolutely. But yeah, it's there's a it's a this is a rougher, and I know this is a this is not your daddy super movie. It's grim and gritty and whatever. But it's like a little. It too isn't my daddy's superhero movie. <laughs> your, what would your daddy's superhero movie be like? The Spawn movie? It totally would be the Spawn movie. My dad, he's a huge Violator fan. He just thinks that fucking guy's hilarious. He loves Violator and he loves John Leguizamo. So yeah. when he heard, when he read in Wizard that John Leguizamo was going to play Violator, oh, he was over the moon. He bought the ticket ahead of time. Yeah, I think he cut out that page from Wizard magazine. He laminated it and then push pinned it to the wall of my parents' bedroom. My mother was not pleased. No, but that's okay. A push pin hole in the wall? Come on. Well, and he had to take down a family photo to put it up. <laughs> <laughs> probably wondering why didn't he frame it and put it in its place. I don't know. My dad's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like his idol, the Violator. <laughs> Good point. You, you can, in podcast land, didn't see the coy looks too good after that. <laughs> so anyway, Clark Kent doesn't like this Batman dude, even though Batman's kind of doing the same thing Clark Kent's doing, except in a more violent way. Uh, Batman doesn't like Superman because he sees him as a threat to reality and humanity. Yeah. Meanwhile, I guess, Lex... Yeah. I just want to take a moment, though, to say that the movie has set up a perfectly valid reason for Batman to not like Superman. You know, he's seen, That Superman destroyed a city? Yeah, he destroyed a city. He's seen all the collateral damage that Superman can do. But for the rest of the movie, he doesn't bring this up. He just keeps bringing up, like... Superman has all these powers. No person should have that power. Inherently, if we think that he has as much power, he could use this power against us. So we have to preemptively get rid of the guy who has got power. It's like, that's a terrible argument. <laughs> like, Well, they're, they're groping towards trying to have some kind of philosophical showdown between these two characters. Mm-hmm. But their ideologies and what they stand for are pretty messy and pretty blurry. And like, there's a. I I wish they had pulled it off because like one of the great things about like old comic books is when a hero and a villain would be fighting each other and they'd be telling each other what they stand for and why it's incompatible. Like Stanley Jack Kirby books would do that a lot, where Captain America and Baron <clears throat> Zemo would be like punching each other and they'd be explaining why they what they stand for. And like this movie wants to have that kind of in a more complicated modern way, but it. It never seems to be clear exactly what well, these characters. They also are like, for. They've, they've hampered themselves by Man of Steel because, like, once you've made a movie where Superman does do the things that he does in Man of Steel, like you can't have the classic fight between Superman and Batman where it's like, oh, Superman's a Boy Scout and Batman is 
Batman. Because Superman's already snapped a man's neck. And yeah, exactly. Destroyed no, a, a bunch of Kryptonian snack. Kryptonian man. <laughs> Just because the clone of him we see later does I mean, not have a penis Michael, doesn't mean he's not a man. It's Michael Shannon. <laughs> yeah, super cool Michael Shannon. <laughs> the man who should have received an Oscar nomination for Premium Rush. <laughs> That's true. Because that movie was a Premium Rush. I mean, it was. But he also managed to be both scary and hilariously pathetic in the he same said, role. kid, what's it to you with a straight face? <laughs> or as straight as a Michael Shannon face can be. <laughs> Which is pretty cockeyed. <laughs> and meanwhile, the also... The cockeyed world of Michael Shannon. On <laughs> 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 that That's his children's <laughs> no, show? No, that's his, uh, that's his small town newspaper column. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, the Harvest Festival's opening up in town <laughs> in a week. They're going to have barbecue, and uh, a bunch of local bands are going to play. <laughs> Tickets cost $14. <laughs> in other local news. Oh, wow. It's rolling a, uh, that cockeyed. Yeah. Yeah, I was expecting it to be more of an opinion column. As opposed <laughs> no, to just like, it's just a goings-on about town <laughs> yeah, column. Yeah. Uh, he's, in, he's, in, he's in Shannonville. That's his hometown. Mm. Shannonville Jazz Fest starting up once again, and I know I can't wait for it. <laughs> a lot of my favorite big names from the Springfield County area are going to be there. <laughs> he's only doing it over the local radio. That's why he's kind of tired. <laughs> the Jazzinators, <clears throat> Jazz Bows. It's vaguely racist. <laughs> Swing Jazzers. It's, uh, Jazzin, it's that time of year again. Jazz and Poops. When uh, air gets a little chillier <laughs> and uh, leaves start to fall, and there's a certain magic in the air. So I thought I'd uh, give thanks, <laughs> give my own thanks before Thanksgiving. I know my Michael Shannon and my Mo, the bartender, and my Dick Miller are all pretty much the same voice, I think. Okay, so meanwhile, this is a scene that we skipped. Lois Lane went to interview a terrorist in Africa, uh-huh. and she got shot at by – something happened where one of the terrorist men started shooting all the other terrorists. Anyway, she was in trouble, and Superman saved her. Luckily uh- – her, her her friend Jimmy Olsen gets shot in the face. <laughs> gets shot in the head. Uh, it's the second best shoot, shooting it's to the head. The, important to establish this isn't your daddy's superhero So movie. they kill Jimmy Olsen pretty early on. Why didn't he just use his watch phone and call Superman? That's why they killed him, I think. They yeah. saw that watch phone. That leads to a storyline about special futuristic bullets being used to make it appear as if Superman killed people in Africa so he'll get in trouble. This storyline never fully makes sense. And I think in is, the extended version, they extended that sequence quite a bit, but yeah, it's still but even But sense. I mean, the upshot is that Lex Luthor is framing it to look like Superman killed a bunch of people in Africa, mm-hmm. but it like Superman just killed a lot of people in Metropolis. Mm. So they're holding congressional hearings on like Superman killed these people in Africa maybe. And it seems bizarre that they even needed this extra yeah. reason. Superman has already should have ruined his good name so much before. Well, and also know? like uh, they're postulating a world, a non-racist world where Americans care about people dying in Africa. Yeah. Well, that's the sad part <laughs> too. Yeah. The, uh, Meanwhile, Lex Luthor. There's a, a female governmental representative from Kentucky, Holly Hunter. Yeah, I just don't. I don't buy. I don't buy. Our world would do that. Uh, <laughs> she's got so much sass. I mean, she's great, but I'm. I'm just not. I mean, Kentucky. Mitch McConnell's Democratic challenger in the, his last election no, was a woman. No, I know. I'm just grouchy. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> political. Okay. Uh, to get too political, and I don't like it. Lex Luthor is, and I'm just going to say this. 
what was take what was getting me through the movie for a certain extent mm. because they have Jesse Eisenberg playing him at his most manically irritating and Jesse they give Jesse Eisenberg these long nonsense gibberish speeches about god and man and power and Jesse Eisenberg is jittering it up so much he has so many acting tics and like I'm going to tell you this part fast and then I'm going to pause here and I'm going to be loud all of a sudden yeah. and it is clear that he has such disdain for the words that are coming out of his mouth and I really appreciated that aspect of it. It Well, it's it's one of the things that a lot of times when a movie uh, first introduces a character and they're like, he's a super wealthy billionaire who's also super smart, they at no point have that character do anything that would make you believe that they are actually wealthy or smart. No, that's true. That Like Lex Luthor I mean, he talks about science projects his company is working on. But but that doesn't, like, that's... You never get a sense that he's a, a super brainiac, because he's not brainiac. He's like and Luther. he doesn't have any charisma. No offense, Jesse Eisenberg, but you're good at playing, like, losers. <laughs> wow. Oof. Why would he take offense to that? I mean, I'm, I'm saying losers. he's good at it. I, mean, he... I said he was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I would, dis- I would say if you have seen End of the Tour... Uh-huh, a movie that I was referring to when I just described his character type. I guess, but he's like a charismatic asshole in that. But I guess he's up against guess. Jason Siegel's David Foster Wallace, who is like an awkward person. Mm-hmm. Like Jesse Eisenberg isn't playing the awkward person in that movie. He's playing the the less awkward character. Mm. Anyway. I don't know if I would agree with you on that, but let's move on. Okay. There's no bats or soups in that movie. That's true. There's no soup. <laughs> and there's no bats, but again, yeah. except for the bowl of bat soup that they enjoy together. And, and another, in another muddy motivation in a movie full of muddy motivations. Famous jazz, mu- famous blues musician, muddy motivation. I don't know why I'm doing this for reasons unknown. Can't really tell you. <laughs> my ba- <laughs> Not sure myself. <laughs> my baby don't love me. <laughs> Didn't really say why. <laughs> no, but uh, he just. I like how your uh, music is just Dan's name over and over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan, 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 Dan. Yeah. No, you but cracked like, the code, <laughs> the Bible code. Whoa. There's a prophecy in there. Is that a new book you're writing? It's going to sell a lot of copies. Mm-hmm. People love Bibles, they love codes, they love the. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is, Lex uh, seems to be mad at Superman just because he's got superpowers. Like that seems to be the yeah the whole. It's a classic thing nerd versus jock showdown. They introduced something yeah. where like he either felt stymied, like he felt he couldn't move forward with a project, or like Superman was getting a little too close to revealing that he's like a, a, bad, a bad guy. guy. Yeah, exactly. But even if it was, or like, if he was just like. I am bored with all of this. I want, well, I that's know, the like thing. I want to be Superman. Or I something. wish that they had presented, it would have been so easy for them to present Lex Luthor as just this like young, rich, like bored asshole who wants to see these two crazy guys fight. Like at that point, then you could be saying, you could be doing a sucker punch in a better way. We are saying something about the audience yeah. Where the audience just wants to see these guys punch each other, no matter even though they're characters, they could they have personalities, and he's like, "This is the show I want to see. I want to see Superman fighting Batman." If that was his motivation for the whole movie, I would have been like, "This is a much better, stronger movie." Instead, he gives these bizarre speeches about 
gods do this and men do this, but demons do this. And he seems to be already working on anti-Superman technology before the movie starts. Like he's already trying to frame Superman before we've even met him in the film. But it would be such a better – I would just love it if he is this he's this billionaire and – he doesn't. He's run out of things to do, mm-hmm. and he just sees a news report. He has two. He has uh, two TVs in his house, and one of them is showing a news report about Superman, and one's showing a news report about Batman. And he just starts thinking, "Hmm, I want to see those guys fight." And he isn't that, even. That's all the motivation. He isn't I need. even the character who attends a bare knuckle brawl in the basement no, of some place. Bruce Wayne does, <laughs> so that he can clone the phone of a Russian guy who's working for. It's like there's this. The movie seems at times to think that it's like sneakers or like three days of the Condor, where there's like or the parallax view. There's some kind of mm-hmm. conspiracy that's got to be uncovered, and it just kind of winds around in circles until it gets to the obligatory point where the characters fight each other. Dan, what were you gonna say? Oh, I was just saying that if they were, if he had that fighting motivation, I would love it if it was like in trading places where he just bet someone like a dollar yeah. on who was going to win. <laughs> like that would be that would be such a. There's something uh, intriguing about a villain doing that because he has no stake in anything that's going on except that it's going to entertain him. I mean, he's basically, mm-hmm. I guess, arcade at that point from yeah, the X Men comics. I but. mean, sure, maybe arcade steps through a portal. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves the Marvel and the MCU into the distinguished competitions world. Yeah. Well, it was the character with the character's name Access, who came from the DC Marvel crossover, and he could travel between both worlds, and he was co-owned by both companies. I think it was Access. That's how he. So he pulls arcade like through a, a portal. Really cool character. He built, was kind of a lame character. Built on IP law. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, uh, I've ensured that the rights to any story I'm in will be prohibitively complicated to reprint. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, that's great. So uh, Lex Luthor also sets it up so that Bruce Wayne's employee who lost his legs rides a wheelchair bomb into the Congress and blows up Congress. Apparently Everyone at seem- some point they in uh, the extended version of this movie, there's they explain that his, uh, his wheelchair was lead-lined, which explains why Superman didn't see the bomb. Oh, the movie just presents us with a, a lazy Superman who doesn't bother to look at anybody's wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Superman was feeling self-conscious because he was in his outfit surrounded by people wearing normal clothes. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, we're doing this? I thought we were all... (laughs) I thought this was... Ooh, you guys aren't dressing up. I mean, I'd wear a suit to this, but then it'd be kind of obvious that I'm just Clark Kent. Ooh, I shouldn't have not have said that. Oh, boy. Can we have that stricken? Time to fly backwards around the world again. Can we have that stricken? (laughs) Superman, you've done that so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Superman's doing, like, he parks his car someplace, and he gets a ticket. He's like, oh. Oh, boy. Yowzers. He gets to to the movie theater just as they're putting the sold-out sign (laughs) on the movie he wanted to see. So he goes, oh, boy. Fly the earth around. <laughs> so we're, we we get to the point where uh, Superman is uh, Superman has to meet like tries to do a showdown with Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor has. I mean, do, we can jump over some shit, right? Yeah, I mean, we can jump over the car chase scene in which Batman kills like two so dozen henchmen. Dudes. Batman is constantly shooting and blowing people up or throwing cars at them, like. And when he when he doesn't shoot them with things, he's like shooting them with darts that are attached to rope or like whatever wires that he can like flip them around. And it's only later in the movie when Batman is punching a bunch of guys that we see them shoot him point blank and his armor stops the bullets. Even a 
a guy starts shooting him in the back of the head from point blank range and he's fine. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait a minute, Batman, this was never a fair fight, was it? Like, you were bulletproof. You didn't have to shoot all those guys. You could just walk through the bullets and punch them, He's I guess. He's so resilient, it almost makes me wonder, why is he mad at Superman? He's basically the same thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. But he had to earn that muscle by b- picking up tires and dragging them <laughs> yeah, with chains. Yeah, dude, it's cross in a, a pretty amazing workout sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, yeah, we'll skip over all in that. In the we'll background, we're also introduced to a mysterious woman who is playing a game of cat and mouse with Bruce Wayne over a flash drive or something. <laughs> and Lex Luthor finds Kryptonian technology and starts, I don't know, whatever. Accessing it, it turning, creating a big monster. And so at the end, so he sets he sets our two heroes at each other's throats. He kidnaps, but he wait he kidnaps Superman's mom uh-huh. and says, "Go kill Batman, or I'm going to kill your mom." And Superman's first instinct is totally blast him with eye lasers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "Wait, if you kill me, you'll never find they'll, out." Where they'll your kill. Mom is, well, he says, "If you kill me, they kill your mother." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he uh, Superman flies off and presumably I, to fight Batman, the thing that we are super excited about. The That's name of the movie the is Batman movie. v Superman. Unless Batman is suing Superman, you're telling me that there's a fight. So cut to uh, Wonder Woman sing, sitting at her <laughs> laptop. <laughs> she has booted up a flash drive mm-hmm. and she is opening files. Each file corresponds with... A upcoming movie in the DC universe, <laughs> and we are greeted with like a little tra- like a little teaser trailer. We see three <laughs> teasers in a row for the Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg. Aquaman is the lamest looking of them, I think, since since an underwater camera just pokes into the hull of a sunken ship, and there's just a dude with a beard sitting there. He comes out and he's like, "Get out!" He's like basically like, "Get out of here!" But he looks he like for, pokes his trident at him. He looks for all the world like a guy who's sitting taking a shit. He's just been interrupted, yeah. <laughs> and then he pokes his trident at them, and then I guess flies away. I don't know. Yeah, he swims zoom- away super fast. Everything in this in this world, when it does things, it causes a huge like ripple effect. So, yeah. for instance, when the Flash stops a crime in in the convenience store, like all the lights explode and like <laughs> lightning bolts shoot everywhere. And Cyborg seems to be made out of super science, a human body, and some kind of Hellraiser cube. Yeah, he's created by uh, the guy from Terminator 2 who... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, the other guy. Uh, oh, the T-1000. Robert Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> no. Robert Ricardo. That's his name, right? <laughs> I, no, I think, I think it's Joe Morton. Mm-hmm. I think it's the actor. Yeah, from Morton Steakhouse. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it right before that they're like, hold on, let's delay. This is a tantric climax yeah, in which first we're going to show you some teasers. For, it's kind of like Batman v Superman is the free weekend, like the fight is the free weekend at the resort, and this scene is the timeshare sales pitch you have to hear. You're gonna have fun, and I'm like, pool. my pants are already off. Why are you edging me, Put dude? Those- <laughs> Because I'm the edge from you too. <laughs> oh, cool. Why do you think I got my name? <laughs> I mean, I didn't really That's think about it. That's what all those effects pedals do. <laughs> yeah. they, they tug on your penis just enough. Just enough to keep you there, but not enough to get you over. But so, find, we once we've gotten through the preview of coming attractions, once we've sat through all the, the excitement uh, of a woman opening a laptop and watching some viral watching videos, a couple, no, watching, watching a couple of videos, videos, watching a couple of trailers, watching like, a couple of trailers, then slamming her laptop screen in disgust because I'm assuming she's worried about spoilers. There's also this is a movie where characters are constantly learning about what's going on in the world through news through TV news just appearing, and there's one woman at the Daily Planet office whose job seems to be to say. 
did you guys see this and point to the TV <laughs> so they can find out what's ha- so that the reporters can find out what's happening in the world? Yeah. Now, speaking of TV. Good job, Janice. Another scoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a real news hound. How do you uh, do it? We're going to make you our lead aggregator. Speaking of real people using their real names uh, in this movie. This movie's full of them. And there, but there was a scene that was deleted that's in the extended cut with you guys' former boss, John Stew, Stew Beef. Now, let's say, since this movie happens in a realistic world where people have super strong, super fast stuff, and Mm -hmm. uh, you can blow up huge buildings and smash them around with thousands of people dying, and then they put a statue up in your honor. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that's every military leader, am I right? Oh, wow. Kill one person, you're a murderer. Kill a thousand person, you're a hero. Kill a million, you're a god. That's what that No Fear shirt said. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You've been reading Megadeth lyrics again, Elliot? (laughs) Because that's the best, because that's really the powerful mm-hmm. thing about Megadeth songs <laughs> is their racist, xenophobic lyrics. Yeah. But uh, so they so they have all these scenes where Soledad O'Brien or Anderson Cooper or Nancy Grace or Andrew Sullivan or somebody who's just li- Neil listed as Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. There's someone who's credited as international <laughs> Neil blogger. Tyson smelled some fucking dollars <laughs> floating around somewhere. <laughs> like chum in the ocean. He said, in space, no one can hear you selling out. <laughs> there are all these scenes with people commenting. And it wasn't until Stuart and I were looking up what the scenes are on the extended version of this to see if it made the movie made any more sense. Nope. That it listed that there's an ex- in the extended version, there's a scene where Jon Stewart is on The Daily Show complaining that Superman doesn't want to be American anymore. And I was like, oh, right. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, they asked Jon to do a scene in the movie, and they were like, yeah, you want to write this? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll write a bunch of Superman jokes. Mm-hmm. But then... But the angle they gave us was that Superman has told the world he doesn't want to be considered just American. And so that was what the whole thing was about. It was about Superman. You, you wear, you're wearing red and blue, and there's white right there. Like, that's, the whole thing is about uh, him, how American he is. Sounds a great, like a great scene. <laughs> it's not amazing, but in context, I can understand how it would make no sense. Because mm-hmm. Superman renouncing his Americanism is never brought up. Ever mm-hmm. in the movie. No. But, uh, but it was sort of, So how does it feel to have written something that wasn't as good as the movie we watched? Uh, I don't know if that's how I would put it. <laughs> I can see why they cut it, because it didn't make any sense. Uh, but I'm a little disappointed. But it's amazing how, literally until I read that, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I wrote a scene for a <laughs> Superman movie. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? So, uh, so if you watch the extended edition and you see that scene, I worked on those jokes. Yeah, mail Elliot a check. He's, yeah, he's not seeing any other residuals I mean, from that, and don't put any limits on that check. <laughs> that's true. Even if they had included it in the movie, I don't think I would have received residuals. No, because that's just the way the system works, dude. Mm-hmm. The rich but get richer. Just like years down the road, when people are dating podcasts, you can point to the, uh, point to this movie, point it out to your son, and say, "Sammy, I made that." But he's going to be watching the, you know, not his dad's Superman movie, oh, where Superman wow. is just killing people with his dick. And, <laughs> and, and Batman is like, uh, I don't know, also, I can't think of anything worse than that. So Batman he, is just strapping. He farts that kryptonite gas all over Superman. <laughs> and it's just, oh, man, just... that's such a Deadpool move, dude. <laughs> so they have their big fight, and I've just, it's not a terrible fight. I mean, the fact that it's not terrible is probably because they ripped a lot of it off of Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Yeah. But, so yeah, they get in a fight. It's not terrible. Oh, you know what? No, it does. It's it does get very, terrible. It gets pretty terrible. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. There's a lot. So 
at first, Superman's beating the shit out of Batman, and then mm. Batman, whoa, it, he actually has pulled a fast one and is choking Superman with kryptonite gas, which makes crypt, uh, Superman super weak. Batman then just starts pounding the shit out of him with his robo-suit. And at that point, it becomes Batman just beating the shit out of a regular person. Which part of me is wondering is, like, <laughs> is Zack Snyder sitting somewhere, like, in the editing booth, like... Yeah, people are going to be fucking loving this. <laughs> people hate Superman. They love Batman. That smug Superman. That Superman smug hasn't asshole. done anything bad at this point in the movie. I mean, arguably, he has been... Uh, like, I He's mean, complicit I guess it, in the death of, deaths of many, but... but he, but he was trying to save the world. Yeah. That the, was collateral damage. I mean, at, at, within this movie, I think uh, he's only attempted to do good things. Yes, I think you're right. Um, he is a little smug. I he mean, is a little smug. Dan's right, and that deserves being <laughs> deserves beaten to death at the hands of a, a billionaire in a robo-suit. By a mech man. <laughs> a mech man. <laughs> and uh, Batman saying, like, my parents taught me a lesson. I'm sure your parents taught you a lot of lessons about being good. Well, my parents taught me a lesson when they died. <laughs> well, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And he pulls down his pants and starts spanking <laughs> You're like, Bad why do you have boy. to pull your own pants down before you start spanking uh, me? It's the only way I can do it. <laughs> the, so at this point, Superman's on the ropes. And Batman starts do, like picking up Superman and doing stuff to <laughs> the whole time, like twirling him the whole around. time, it's like watching somebody try to complete a finishing move in Mortal Kombat, <laughs> and they and just like, can't get the like, combo. Oh, you're just dancing around. Oh no, you just punched me in the face, and I died. Good one, dude. That was worth it. Thanks. <laughs> there's a, but there's a part where they they keep breaking through the floors of whatever abandoned. Bu- every movie in this, every building in this movie is abandoned. They're <laughs> yep. all abandoned. Uh, they're either the cat- I have a statement about to- the housing price. Every Elliot. building in this movie is either blown up or abandoned. I have expect them to like bust into the warehouse that Hugh Jackman is driving the robot that's fighting Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> it feels and then, that depopulated. And then Robert Downey Jr. and uh, and Don Cheadle from Iron Man Three just run by, quipping and shooting people with handguns. Be, that would be great because then I know they're on a loading dock, so I know I'm watching an action movie. <laughs> You know, there's going to be a lot of empty crates getting smashed. <laughs> Instead here... That's they, why uh, longshoremen have to, you know, have a powerful union, because they're always... <laughs> they're in danger. <laughs> they're in danger all the time from, uh, you know, rogue cops, Uzi's. superheroes. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, I'm not... I'm allergic to Uzi bullets. <laughs> yeah, the, lo- the longshoremen's unit, union has the best Uzi de- wound health coverage of any of the unions. <laughs> They're like, wow, you're really good at sniffing out C4. Well, I was a longshoreman. Uh, You're really good at detecting body armor underneath that guy's just regular (laughs) T-shirt. So, but there's a part where they they break through the floor, and Batman is just throwing Superman through broken down urinals, and it's Mm -hmm. like... All right, not guys. as exciting as Terminator 3. No. <laughs> Stuart pointed out not as exciting as the Terminator 3 toilet fight scene. But also, like, that – so, like, the movie – so the Superman movie with Batman in it and Wonder Woman, because this mysterious woman that Bruce Wayne's been flirting with is Wonder Woman. This Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman movie has found its level with a woman being – uh, possibly tortured and threatened with death and having witch scrawled on her head while she's gagged. And two men punching each other in like a gross, dirty bathroom. It's like, all right, thanks, Zack Snyder. Like, thanks, DC. Like, I mm-hmm. guess that's there's room for all sorts of storytelling you know, with superheroes. But like, <laughs> I mean, not every superhero movie has to be a kids' movie. But yeah. like, 
a Superman Batman movie should probably be more kid accessible if than it's, if a it's grimy the, bathroom like fight the, scene. The tentpole movie of your franchise. Like this is supposed to be the Helen of Troy of DC movies. The movie that launched a thousand <laughs> movies. <laughs> I mean, and like, and then, but then they get, they're fighting and fighting and fighting. Well, Dan, what were you going to say? I don't uh, know I'm just going to say that, like literally, like other than a bit of Jesse Eisenberg's performance, there's literally two jokes in this movie. There's a, not a lot of jokes. Yeah. Uh, and, there are a lot of, like, that's the thing. Superman goes to the Capitol building to testify, and I was waiting for the moment where they're about to make him go through the metal detector, and the security guard is like, you know what? What does it matter? And <laughs> they just waves him through because he's yeah. Superman. What does it matter if he brought a gun with him? He can punch people to death yeah. and shoot lasers from his eyes. That would have been a great joke to throw in. Corny, but, mm-hmm. like, throw it in there. But anyway. That's the sort of stuff that, like, those the fucking Marvel movies are built on is, like, those little scenes where the characters are like, just fucking goofing around or doing everyday shit. I mean, maybe the best scene in Avengers was the thing they tacked on at the end where they're just sitting in the restaurant eating, not talking to each other. Yeah, or like the other scene where they're like goofing around trying to pick up Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They're just having fun. They're a bunch of goofs. I f- we forgot to mention the scene that motivates Batman for real, which is when, earlier in the movie, we forgot to mention this, he daydreams a future where Superman has taken over with a bunch of flying henchmen and Batman is leading some kind of desert resistance force. And when Batman wakes up, the Flash, I guess, is is leaning through a portal and he's like, you were right about him. Lois was the key. Find us. But it's one of those things where he's t- speaking really cryptically because yeah. he doesn't have a lot then of time to talk. he from his second dream. He's got a lot of time to talk. Flash could have been like, here's the deal. This thing's going to happen, then this, then this. So do that. And then Bruce Wayne wakes up from that dream. And we're supposed to buy like his motivation being like, I had a bad dream about Superman. I guess I got to go kill him. <laughs> but anyway. Well, that reminds me. I got to murder you, Elliot. <laughs> I don't know. The dream told me to. Dan, the- you know that I once had a dream where you died. It was one of the saddest dreams I ever had. Thank you. It really Mike. broke my heart. And that. So thank you for not dying like in that dream. Okay. And Yet. that post that, that apocalyptic <laughs> dream sequence feels. So much like Zack Snyder's like, finally, I can do the fan fiction I've been wanting to do. (laughs) Uh, I do like, though, that uh, Batman is walking around in full like desert (laughs) warrior garb with like a bandana over his head. But the bandana is over his Batman mask. I mean, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) Like, just lose the Batman mask. But uh, so anyway, back to the big fight scene. It would have been good if he had a different like a hat on as well. People were like, who are you? And he took the hat off. They're like, oh, shit. Like that one of those like, Australian hats <laughs> over, like little, over his the little, little like teeth over it. Crocodile teeth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, no, but it's, he's wearing a bowler hat, but the horns stick through holes on the sides. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, I'm like a little jughead crown. I, I feel like that that happened in some in it, some it comic to. where he's like trying to solve the Ripper mysteries or something. Uh, well, Gotham by Gaslight. Oh, is that what, is that a real one? <laughs> yes, See, it I is. Knew the, uh, it's an Elseworld story, but no, yeah, it's or Batman, Batman and H.G. Wells. Or ba- Batman has like a jaunty fit. No, that's time after time. Uh, or is that time? Wait, time Batman's again? in that? <laughs> yes, yeah. Time after time is a different thing. A time for time is what the Jack Finney book. Yeah, that was made into the movie. Or not that uh, Nicholas Mayer did. So what is, is it? Time and again is the one right? with H.G. Wells, where Malcolm McDowell plays H.G. Wells, and no, David Warner is Jack the Ripper. That's about, time after time. What about somewhere? So wait, in but time? I said that was time after time, and you told me it wasn't. No, time. Ty, ty, I thought you were. 
Yeah, this is boring for everyone who's listening. I agree, and for me. So, Batman's about to stab Superman to death with a kryptonite spear until Superman says, They have Martha! And Batman remembers his mom is named Martha, too, and he gets really mad. Amy Adams jumps off a helicopter that's hovering nearby. (laughs) Amy Adams has a knack for always showing up in the middle of trouble, and Superman has the knack for always saving Amy Adams no matter where he is. He always seems to know she's in danger. So they're in a little bit of a conundrum at this point. At this point, I think they're kind of arguing really about what the hell Superman means. (laughs) (laughs) Because he keeps just saying something about Martha. This is after Batman has taken his kryptonite spear and carved a scar on Superman's face. Yeah, just to like be just like a what's the word I'm looking for? Shitty. Uh, Yeah, just to be crappy. (laughs) Just to be a jerk. (laughs) <laughs> so he's about to stuff that spear right through his the big S on his chest when Amy Adams shows up, explains the whole confusion. And then... Uh, Both their moms are named Martha. Now, this is a reveal that I had known going into the movie that this was going to be the reason why they stopped fighting. Yeah, I would read about it. I did it. not expect it to be this poorly done. <laughs> it's really, really... It re- it's, it's like, it really would have worked better. Like, it would have even worked better if there was a moment where they're just like, <laughs> your mom's named Martha? <laughs> My mom's saying Martha. That is crazy. Buddy. Martha buddies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They both pull their pants down. They have Martha written on their butt cheeks. <laughs> wow. In marker. That's the weird thing. <laughs> Who wrote it for them? I don't know. They did themselves in a mirror and it scrawled all weird? Or <laughs> when then the jackass boys come out? And <laughs> They're like, yeah, and they punch each other in the ding-dongs. <laughs> uh, but it's, what a great honor for the mom. Or, or even if... Or even if Superman goes, no, they've got Martha. And Batman just goes, "Uh, that was my mom's name. And it just throws him off for a second. Mm -hmm. That would still be kind of dumb. But instead he goes, why'd you say that name? Why'd you say that name? As if there was only ever one person named Martha mm-hmm. in the world. It mu- he must be talking smack about his mom. Now, I for, don't know. For, for, for the real fans, that's an Easter egg for Martha Washington goes to war. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, this is a lot of this is based on Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. But when are they going to make that Martha Martha Washington movie from his Frank Miller's other work? Yeah. When's that hard-boiled movie coming out? I mean, what about they that, keep talking about it. What about that big guy and Rusty the Boy robot movie? I mean, that's more Jeff Darrow than anything. I guess so, since there's almost no dialogue in it. Uh, Anywho, the fight gets broken up. They both realize, oh, Lex Luthor is playing us for fools. And Batman goes to save Superman's mom. Reasons unknown. Like, why why does Lex Luthor care that, like, I can understand him, like, wanting to get rid of Superman. But, like, why why is he doing it through Batman? (laughs) I don't know. Uh Bat- so Batman goes to save Superman's mom because Superman, I guess, didn't care enough to go do it himself. And there's literally, we've seen a counter that says there's 10 minutes left. Rather than uh, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, who in this movie is less of a butler and more of, as Stuart, I think you pointed out, he's, the, microchip. he's the microchip to Batman's Punisher. He has tapped into the signal and figured out where Martha, where Martha Kent is. Forgot Clark Kent's last name. Uh, Batman goes to save her in the most video game fight scene, I think, of the movie. Because mm-hmm. it's just one guy after another coming up to Batman and him doing finishing moves and blocks and blows. And that's when a guy shoots Batman in the back of the head point blank and Batman's fine. He doesn't even have a concussion from the impact. Mm-hmm. But it, it stimulates his uh, his rage, so that forces him to stab the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Superman goes to confront Lex Luthor. But uh-oh, Lex Luthor has combined his own blood 
the body of Zod, and Kryptonian technology to make Doomsday a big purple guy with no penis, yeah. but a butt that we see a lot of, oh, yeah. who is genetically predisposed to punch Superman, I guess? Yeah, apparently... Apparently, Zod plus Luther blood means big giant golem, you dude. <laughs> uh, and they fight for a while. And we don't have to check the math, but I think it makes sense. <laughs> Superman starts punching Doomsday into space, and the president decides to nuke them both. Yeah. You, <laughs> like, immediately. Like, like within moments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the lifespan of this Doomsday at this point is he has been alive for maybe five minutes and is already getting nukes thrown at him in outer space. To be fair, he was causing a lot of damage. He creates, he sent, he gets electricity powers and he shoots them out at people. And yeah, we quickly realize that the more energy is directed at him, the more he energy, more powerful he becomes. Yeah. Which is strange because, so he's being punched into outer space and then this nuclear warhead goes off in outer space and... It sends him back to Earth. I would think that the force would keep sending him further into outer space. It would push him further in space. I don't know how gravity works. Mm -hmm. I don't know physics. All I know is when the— I mean, they had Neil deGrasse Tyson on set, right? (laughs) Yeah, every day. All I know is that when a monster and a superhero go into space and the president is asked, (laughs) we have a clear clear shot to nuke, but Superman is there. The president's response is— May God have mercy on our souls. And they <laughs> take, launched take that the nuke. But you know who set that precedent? Barack Obama with his drone attacks on American citizens abroad. Whoa. So you can you yeah. can thank your favorite president, Dan, yeah. Barack Hussein Obama, for setting the precedent that the president, two words that sound alike but are different, can use aerial attacks on American citizens as long as they're not on American soil. Because that's what happens in this movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just Noam Chomsky you? Yeah, you just he just rattle your cage. Yeah, my mind has been exploded, much like Superman. Uh, uh, so, so Doomsday gets healthier because of the nuke, and it makes his bones push out through his body, so he looks yeah, like the he, Doomsday he we looks, know from the comics. He starts to look awesome. And Superman is all sallow Superman's and like sick, like a flying corpse, dude. But it's then you're like, then the sun reaches him, and you're like, oh yeah, that's another scene from Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, that he looks they're all stealing. shriveled up, like uh, like when the Plutonian is uh, fighting what Modius or whatever, and Modius is sucking all his energy out. <laughs> I'm talking about the comic book Irredeemable. I don't remember that scene in Irredeemable. No, it's a flashback. Rem- no, okay. I remember when he's on that alien planet, or the alien prison planet. Is that the one where the alien uh, can punch you so hard it sends you back in time? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now, I, know I that, like that book. I know that Kryptonite was involved, but let's just remember that Batman, who's just a dude, almost killed Superman just moments before, but this nuclear bomb was easily uh, counteracted by the light well, of the sun. because the kryptonite wore off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't All see right. a problem with that. Anyway, they... And he's, he's catching some serious vitamin Ds, baby. Sunny <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Woo. laughs> D. Not the purple stuff, which is the doomsday monster he's fighting. Mm-hmm. Now, here, it's... It fit- Haven't you ever... Like, had a fucking bad day and just, like, hung out on the beach <laughs> and just soaked that shit up. Uh-huh. Hey, let me Get quote. Get all the toxins out, man. Superman is to quote, is quoting Sheryl Crow, I want to soak up the sun. Mm-hmm. Want to tell everyone. Yeah, let's see how far you can go with this. Tonight, tonight? Is that how it goes? <laughs> I don't remember. That and the sun really... came up over Santa Monica Boulevard. She's looking at the wet and dirt, mm-hmm. the clean and dirty cars with Billy. That would, that, have been a fun, that would have been a fun musical cue. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, if this we was were... a Shrek movie, they would have played it. <laughs> but so the movie has pummeled us into submission by this point. It's been unpleasant. 
It's been really bleak and grim. It's been nonsensical, which is why I was not prepared. I think, I think humorless is fair. Humorless, which is why I was not prepared for the best scene of the movie, which is Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Just she gets off her air, her her air Istanbul, her uh, Turkish air flight. Uh-huh, which Elliot claims is a great airline. I, I haven't flown it. Look. Elliot's I, bragging about his lifestyle. I was bragging about having flown first class on Turkish Air. It was amazing. I'm glad because it was about a 10-hour flight. He's a spy. Get him. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, you kind of jumped why, why you, in there. Why are you looking that, at me? That was kind of a real Batman. <laughs> is it one of those things where you want me to want kill him so I, go, I take the heat for the crime? <laughs> which one's the real Elliot? I'm the ideas man. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... Uh, that was when I went to when I went to Afghanistan. Oh, uh, I flew on Turkish Air. Do you think Lex Luthor is trying to get Batman to kill Superman so that Batman goes to jail for it? <laughs> yeah. My greatest enemy is dead free. or behind bars. <laughs> and Batman's being led to prison, still in his costume. He's like, it was Luther! Luther! Oh, the famous upstanding oh, philanthropist Lex. Oh, it was Lex Luthor! Oh, sure, it was Lex Luthor, the famous philanthropist. You're going to jail, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> ha ta 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 ta. Enjoy your stay. In Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Nothing to see here, Miss Lane. No, a, a famous billionaire was arrested for murdering a superhero. This is a huge story. Nothing to see, Miss Lane. And then he pokes her eyes. Stooges style. Wow. Stooges style. Not pokes them out like with a hot poker. Yeah. But anyway, the best scene, which is these three heroes like teaming up, working together, making jokes to each other, and fighting a big monster. And there's a fucking sick ass guitar sting. The minute when Wonder Woman shows up, the electric guitar starts, and it's like, yes, I this is what the like, movie straighten up and like <laughs> zip up my shirt. <laughs> like yeah, this. it helped that the movie like literally looked like a heavy metal cover at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, which what's is, this going? Which is Zack Snyder's playing to his strengths. Like mm-hmm. I like. His you just th- say Zack Snyder. <laughs> I meant to say Zack Snyder. Did I say Zack Snyder? Uh-huh. Well, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I, I roast well, me, over, rake me over the coals, boys. Roast me for that one. You know, I'll take my licks. Give me the lumps. I earned them. Okay, oh, no Lisa Lampanelli's going to come in and make jokes. Give me the about blood. It. Give me the blood. I abandoned my boy. It's no fun when you ask for <laughs> it. Come on, rain down on me. Oh, you're ruining it. So, so uh, you're like the dentist in uh, Little Shop of Hearts. <laughs> yeah. If I'm enjoying it, it's no fun. Disgusted by it. <laughs> so. Uh, so, but, like, one of the reasons I like 300, the movie that put Zack Snyder on the map, I guess Dawn of the Dead did, but uh, for mm, me it was 300. He was already on the map. This kind of, like, put him in the middle of the map. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> he was, like, in, on, in Guam, and this put him in the major metropolitan center. Okay. On the map. Is that 300 the uh, of the world? <laughs> okay. <laughs> 300 to me is, like, looking at a series of awesome heavy metal album covers mm-hmm. that somehow – a piece of radiation fell on them and turned them into a movie somehow. Yeah. I can't take it seriously as like a story or a film, but as just totally over the top, crazy, like awesome images, it works for me. Like this sequence worked kind of like that. You You're know? saying that it almost works because it's like, it feels like it's camp, like it's towing the line of like parody or camp or almost ironic enjoyment. I don't know about ironic enjoyment so much as like the same this is gonna. This is not a comparison I really want to make because these directors are not in the same league. But mm-hmm. how 
Fellini worked on this level of ludicrous spectacle. <laughs> not Hold on, as, no, Dan, no. you want to make a joke? Ba- you you work on it. Not? He's still talking. You can have something right. really good to ba- say. Ba- bear with me. Fellini, a much better director who made much better movies, was working on this level of ludicrous spectacle. It wasn't, sometimes it fell into camp, which was not great, but it was just so colorful and so bold and so crazy that it carried you along with its energy, and 300 does that for me. It's not like I'm like, this is real great, I'm enjoying it because it's stupid. It's more like this is insane, ludicrous, just everything about it is bigger than it needs to be, and that works for me. Whereas this movie, which should be like that, it should be like super big. Instead, it's fighting that energy constantly, except in the explosions. And it's only at this point when Wonder Woman shows up and you hear an electric guitar sting that it feels like the movie is like, all right, you know what? It can be pretty fun to see superheroes beating up a monster. <laughs> you know what? Let's have a good time. Every- you ate your oatmeal. You had your vegetables in the form of the first two hours and 15 minutes of this movie. Time for the dessert. Superheroes punching a monster. Now, I've seen, I've read a lot of superhero comics, and I've read a lot of superhero Prove comics. Oh, wow. Name them all. I must be a fake nerd boy. Uh, so the, and you know, when superheroes fight, they almost always slap them on the cover, and you're like, uh, okay, I guess Wolverine and Punisher are going to get in a fight. Jim Lee's drawn it, so it's going to look mm-hmm. sick as hell. Yeah, over sure. a milkshake. And, well, <laughs> I wish it was over a milkshake. When I was reading, I'm like, they're fighting over brontosauruses in the rainforest? Okay. Um, but, of course, they always fight for a little bit, and then they get that shit out of the way. Yeah. Oh, they fight just enough so that you're like, the fanboys for either can be like, oh, man, if they'd gone one second longer. Wolverine would have won. No, uh Punisher would have won. That kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And then they get to the real demon. In this case, dinosaur poachers. <laughs> uh, mean, there's no more endangered species than dinosaurs. <laughs> I guess you're if right. If there's a species that's on the edge of extinction, it's dinosaurs. Yeah, do you think when they were pitching this story, they're like, oh, we should do elephants. And they're like, that's not tough enough, <laughs> not for, cool Wolver- enough. for our boy Wolvie. No, but like, that's, yeah, I guess so. it's... The the joy of Zack Snyder is similar to the joy of that one Punisher cover where it's Punisher on that jet ski and it's just there's just the caption box that says you just rented Punisher a jet ski kiss that baby goodbye I, love that. <laughs> I remember that such a great cover and you can tell they were like this picture of Punisher on the jet ski is not really that exciting <laughs> slap some text on that cover but I also like like uh oh property destruction. <laughs> You're not getting back the deposit on that jet ski. It's also playing on the fantasy that you run a jet ski dealership. You're a successful jet ski proprietor, but for how long if you keep renting them to the fucking Punisher? (laughs) The Punisher comes back week after week. I promise this time I'm going to bring back the I shouldn't believe you, but I trust that skull on your shirt. (laughs) Somehow you fit it into some kind of a tank top for beach wear. (laughs) You're wearing Tommy Bahama shorts and a black undershirt with a skull on it. All right. No. I trust a man with an M16 in both hands. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so they fight this monster and they defeat him. They they stab him with that spear, but in doing so, Superman has to give his own life. And uh, he dies and they have his funeral and suddenly everybody loves him again. And Batman tells Wonder Woman, we got to find these other meta humans uh, because I got a feeling we're going to need them. And then there's a scene where Batman goes and visits Lex Luthor in jail and Lex Luthor tells him, 
oh, there's this big, big bad out in space that's heard of us now, and now it's going to come, and there's nothing you can do about it. So most it. people watching this movie's like, yeah, they're talking about him. His name's Thanos or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't know the difference between Marvel most and DC. Most people don't. No, that's true, yeah. The uh, that's that's what puts us into the cool elite people, Elliot. Is well, that we know the difference. It doesn't make us cool, but in a weird way, it's I. I never thought that I would now be after years of training in secret. I guess in possession of the mm-hmm. mystic knowledge that unlocks pop culture for old people who are older than me, so I can explain it to them, or like to my son. Like my son's never seen the Star Wars movies. Yeah, he knows a ton people of like you're like gather around, younglings. <laughs> Allow me to tell you a tale, mm-hmm. a tale of corporate IP. <laughs> but the but my son knows you're a like, bunch uh, of uh, you're like Christian Bale in Reign of Fire, where you're telling the story <laughs> of Star Wars. <laughs> uh, my son knows a bunch about Star Wars because he'll point to pictures and be like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "Oh, that's so and so. They fought at the Battle of what's it, you know what's it called?" and that he shouldn't. He should be telling me that stuff. He should be explaining pop culture to his dad, not the other way around. This place is all mixed up and crazy cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon he's going to be on YouTube, dude, and he's going to show you everything, and he's going to be a fan of all those YouTube celebrities that are oh, raking I in the big not. dollars. Wait, Dad, I want to watch this guy play video games for three straight hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan so, looks exhausted just thinking about. No, it. No, I yeah. really was. It just pain. Like the idea of YouTube celebrities pains me inherently. Mm, interesting for a podcasting celebrity to say That's that. True. Even Dan's lower a on celebrity. The- uh, well, I don't know what's a celebrity so much as uh, here. Let me sign your butt. <laughs> okay. Nope, that's for his uh, mom's name, Martha. Right, right Martha, please. <laughs> uh, so, of course, when Batman and Superman fight, of course, Superman is totally at the mercy of Batman. Batman would have fucking taken a shit all over Superman. Mm, I, I don't know about that because uh, when the Kryptonite had, wore off, and I'm Jay Leno all of a sudden, but he had like a he had that spear right <laughs> on his were chest. Visionary dead. director Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I was visionary talk show host Jay Leno. Uh, they both probably have a penchant for leather jackets and motorcycles. <laughs> I think you're right. Classic cars. Jay Leno and Zack Snyder just getting together for their classic car club. Fucking crunching all kinds of Doritos. Hey, you see this uh, this uh, Cadillac over here? Have some more Doritos. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Only extreme flavors, please. <laughs> This is Jumpin' Jack cheese. <laughs> oh, they still make that? <laughs> Probably. Okay. So the last shot of the movie, so we can wrap oh, it up. Oh, it's that Superman's in his coffin dead, but then the dirt starts lifting off of his grave, which makes no sense. The yeah. end. Superman's yeah, is still he alive. Being teleported out of there? I guess so. He's being raptured up to heaven. Mm-hmm. He's got magic he, dirt <laughs> repelling powers. He, well, when he died, he lost his regular powers, but he gained dirt <laughs> repelling powers. So now he's a super cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so there's a ton of dumb crap in this movie. We yeah, missed. We talked about it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we don't want to go as long as this movie as we've been doing normally. Since then this movie I quit was doing the podcast. Two and a half hours long, and we so. don't want it. And it's getting late. So let's give our final judgments, huh? Yeah, final judgments on this movie. Was it a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? Or a movie you kind of liked, Stuart? This is a bad bad movie. I liked it just as little as I liked Man of Steel, which means I did not like it very much. Uh, it, I, I mean, I'm not. I don't have a ton. I don't have a super long relationship with Batman or Superman, but this movie seems to have a completely different perspective on those characters, and just like it, just feels really wrongheaded and stitched together. And it seems to be made by an alien who has seen movies before, but doesn't actually know what kind of connective tissue is required to lead from one scene to the next. Um, and I don't think that's a cause of over-editing. I just think it's made by a guy who doesn't understand movies or human emotions. And, wow, uh, harsh. 
Harsh words. And the like, like even the ending, like Superman's funeral, it fe- it has the emotional weight of uh, Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets when Hagrid comes back and all the kids are like flipping out, <laughs> and you're like, wait, Hagrid was gone. Why is everyone flipping out about Hagrid? <laughs> but it was because, like, I guess it, it was a big deal in the book, so like. Christopher Columbus had to make sure it was a big deal. Christopher the, Columbus. That's his name, right? <laughs> no, I, yeah, most people call him Chris Columbus. <laughs> well, like, yeah, so I'm, I'm not that close with it. Because you think they might be confused that the discoverer, the discoverer of the American continent. <laughs> <laughs> so Queen, people told him children's literature was flat. Yeah. Uh, but he convinced Queen Isabella <laughs> to give him the money He's to like, publish no, the Harry Potter books. I could find a faster route to a book about boy wizards. <laughs> Uh, no, I agree. This is a bad, bad movie. Um, I liked it marginally better than Man of Steel just because I feel like Man of Steel so egregiously misunderstands who Superman is supposed to be. Whereas this movie is much more a Batman movie, and I think Zack Snyder's like much more a Batman kind of guy. Yeah. So it's not quite as like off base in the characterizations, but it's, 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 I feel like such a nerd talking about comic book characterizations. But uh, the characters, dude, dude, you gotta so, impress, man. Yeah, come yeah. on. Uh, you're afraid you're not gonna look cool. Yeah, to all the podcast listeners. Yeah. Whoa! Whoa! Dude, whoa wow! Shit about okay, our listeners? let's move on to me before you alienate everybody, <laughs> Mister No Jibber Jabber. Please. <laughs> I'm saying mean stuff about all kinds of celebs. You're talking shit about our our listeners. Let yeah, me be the positive gonna... guy then. Thank you. I also did not like the movie. I thought it was bad and bad, but. Mainly because in that fight at the end, there's a little glimpse of what this movie could have been. Yeah. It doesn't. Ha- I mean, it doesn't have to be the Avengers, which is a movie I liked because it was a very light movie for the most part. It doesn't have to be that, but it could could have been a movie that was trying to address these same issues, but also had some fun to it. And I think it may have addressed those issues better if it was a more fun movie and didn't feel like they were adapting the Bible or something. You know, well, and- even like the Christopher Nolan movies, which are pretty dark. Man, it's just sneak some fucking jokes have in jokes there. jokes in them, yeah. Even Christian Bale with his awesome voice. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> Those were not my daddy's superhero movies either, but at least they were fun. So I would say, not a good movie, but hey, keep trying, guys. <laughs> hey guys, this is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what? Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show, and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org. We have a couple of sponsors tonight. Woo! Yippee! The Flophouse is sponsored in part by a new sponsor, The Black Tux. Looking great for a wedding or a special event has never been easier with theblacktux.com. With high-quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your door, The Black Tux is giving guys a new way to rent. And get this, The Black Tux offers free home try-on so you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before your event. The best part is completely done online. To get free shipping both ways, plus a free home try-on, visit the plaque, the black, yeah. the, <laughs> visit the plaques. Visit the plaques, the alien <laughs> overlord intelligence that, that is invading our world. Uh, For suits. <laughs> visit, visit. Obey the plaques. <laughs> visit 
theblacktux.com. Now, Dan, can I order slash flop? Can I order white tuxes from theblacktux.com slash flop? Uh, I would imagine you, I, you can. I saw it. Okay. Can you order tuxes that have little Boba Fett pictures all over them? <laughs> I hope so. That I don't know. Now the probably black, not. The black tux also sounds like it could be a superhero. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah. if the cape was a superhero on NBC, <laughs> yeah, I remember it. So, Dan, <laughs> I one thing I like about the black tux is that I don't have to go to a store to try on a tux. And then have to, you know, because you're not wearing it in the store, you're going to be putting out at home. Uh, you see where I'm going with that. Let me tell you guys a story about a time I rented tuxedo in a store, a time that backfired on me tremendously. Mm-hmm. My sister was getting married, and I had a role to play in the ceremony. She demanded that I get a tuxedo and not just wear a black suit. Okay, I'll go to the store, and I'll rent one. I went to a store that I will not name. It was called Men's Warehouse. And I went to rent a tuxedo but there. But you were going to like the way you look. I did not like the way I looked. I, they guarantee it. They, their guarantee was not good. They measured me. And then I went back to pick up the tux the day before the wedding. And the pants that had arrived were like about four times as wide as human pants should be. <laughs> I looked like I was wearing an elephant's pants. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the salesman goes... Okay, He's so like, are you gonna need an extra long wallet chain for those. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to some some kind of zoot suit riot, right? <laughs> You're gonna you were renting this tux so that you could hang out in the parking lot of the Seven Eleven with your skater pals, right? <laughs> but uh, and the guy there was like, mm, "Those are the only pants we have," and I was like, "This is crazy. I'm not gonna pay for this." And they're like, "Sorry, only pants we've got." So I ended up paying essentially tux prices for a jacket because I had to bu- wear my own. Black spoot pants anyway. So suit pants? Suit pants. So blacktux.com, you don't have to go to the store. You can try it on ahead of time so you know if it fits. And three, you don't have to deal with a salesman who's like, I don't know, looks fine to me. I mean, sure, from the waist down, you look like a clown. <laughs> but that's the look you were going for, right? So the blacktux.com. Yeah. And Men's Warehouse can go to hell. Yeah. I own a tuxedo because we went to the Emmys uh, a few times. And uh, that's sheer madness. When am I going to wear that tuxedo again? Never. <laughs> Only when you're buried. <laughs> so why not rent one? You know, that's the that's the much more sensible thing to do. Don't be an idiot like your buddy Dan. <laughs> rent a tuxedo. If Just you need rent one. it, man. Yeah, come uh, on. You're on your deathbed and you're like, why did I buy that tux? <laughs> it's your final regret. Yeah. Uh, so what's our other sponsor, Dan? Our other sponsor is Casper. The flop house is supported in part. A good, good ghost. <laughs> and he's wearing a tux. <laughs> the flop house. What a dapper spirit. Is supported. It must be Topper, starring <laughs> Cary Grant. <laughs> the flop house is supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. They offer an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Now, I myself sleep on a Casper mattress and. Like sleeping on a bed of ghosts. Look, I have sleep problems. I have mild sleep apnea. You so, got lots of other types of problems. Yeah, Why not sleep that, problems you too? That, you got that Bane mask yet? The CPAP mask? Yeah. No, I'll get it in a it little bit. It helps you sleep, okay. but you but you sleep like this. Sleep arises. <laughs> the problem, is, the same. The, all I'm saying is, I'm a <laughs> no napping. That comes later. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm a bad sleeper. What a cool character. Sleepy Bane. <laughs> Our a- new character, Sleepy Bane. Copyright that, boys. <laughs> so anyway, Dan, you you have sleep problems. I've got sleep problems, but you know one thing that's not a problem? What's My that? mattress. Oh, yeah. Because it's a Casper mattress. Is it comfortable? It's comfortable. Was it It's easy? bumpterful. <laughs> okay. It's so, frumpterful. Do you, do you not sleep on one side or you like spread out a lot? Or do you like roll around? Uh, I, I tend to sleep on one side, but I've got these the are, whole bed open for me. These I are leading questions. I was I wondering if you like, if Casper mattresses uh, are like really firm or can you make, do you make like a big divot in your side? You know, they're like half memory foam okay. and, uh, half, half forgetful foam. <laughs> <laughs> Half something else. I forget mm-hmm. what the other thing Probably is. beans. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Beans. So, uh, Dan, it, was it easy to unpack and use? Because I know it's a mattress is huge and heavy. Oh, How'd you get it into your apartment? It comes in a reasonably sized uh, box, and you cut the box open, and you cut the plastic wrap on the mattress open, and it, and it, it inflates like a, like a giant mattress erection. <laughs> Um, wow. Do you say that your erection inflates? Yeah. It's <laughs> a weird word to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm a colorful person. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Casper has a risk-free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on Casper for 100 days with free delivery to the U.S. and Canada and painless returns. You can return a mattress, and all mattresses are made in America. Now, listen. There's a special offer to listeners to our show. Mm-hmm. The Flophouse listeners can get $50 toward any mattress by visiting casper.com slash flop and using promo code flop at checkout. It's so easy to remember. Now, I've only slept on a Casper mattress once. With Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Uh, Hold on. Terms and tells. conditions apply. All right. There you go. <laughs> uh, now, Dan, have you been sleeping on your mattress past the 100 days mark? Yeah, I can't return. I can't return it at this point. <laughs> I just want to make sure that it didn't didn't like turn into a puff of smoke right after a hundred days. It didn't turn into back into a pumpkin. After <laughs> Dan, has oh, passed, wow. Dan has passed the okay to eat chili in the bed mark because he cannot send it back. Yeah, and you better believe that day one when I day one hundred and one, I got out my chili eating spoon. Wait, got a big bowl. Wait, you you would stop want to eat wanting to eat chili? It's okay. Dan didn't get what I was saying. Okay. Let's just keep moving on. It's late. Oh, I thought that you were saying that I didn't want to nope, eat chili so I could return it. No, no, you want to eat chili so that you. But then once you can't return anymore, it's like, oh, I got. I want to keep this mattress. I'm not going to eat yeah, chili so you in t- it. Get your hand truck and you move your chili cauldron out of your bedroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Put it back in the closet where it belongs. <laughs> in your chili closet. Okay, so in addition to our sponsors, we also have a Jumbotron tonight, fellows. Jumbotron? Why, that's the place where anyone can rent space on the Flophouse to announce a product or even just say hello to a friend. Yeah. Yeah, you can go to MaximumFun.org forward slash Jumbotron if you want to get up on the Jumbotron. Or the Jungletron, (laughs) as Dan was about to say. (laughs) So uh, when we actually do the Jumbotron, this this message is from Tim. And it is for Tegan. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, I am super sorry. Happy birthday, Tegan, the best sister anyone could ask for. I have such great memories listening to the Flophouse with you on a packed bus in Germany, laughing out loud like maniacs. That's a crime in Germany. (laughs) Not if they're invisible maniacs. (laughs) Enjoy the day and party like it's the Flophouse housecat's birthday. Rawr! So happy! Well, I guess not. Well, wait. 
Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> why, why would you want to party? Like, I guess that makes sense. Because <laughs> uh, he has the best parties. Yeah, that makes sense. It's your birthday. Enjoy it, Tegan. The police are always shutting down the Flophouse Cats birthday parties, but when they get there, they're like, this is a rockin' party. Mm-hmm. You know what? And they take their badges and throw them in the dirt like at the end of Dirty Harry, and they join the party. <laughs> yep. And those badges slowly sprout uh, badge trees. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a real on top of spaghetti situation. <laughs> yeah, it does a time lapse. <laughs> you got Terrence Malick hanging out videotaping that shit. A big fucking beanstalk grows and you go up into yeah. policeman land in the clouds. It's just, it's just oh, giant cops. Yeah, and you get like a singing goose that lays golden eggs <laughs> and a harp. Don't try to steal it. Everyone's a cop up there. <laughs> um, well, before we move on to letters, I just want to extend a few thanks. We got some Cagemus uh, gifts. Uh, I want to thank Emily Davidson and Matt Dupriest for the card that they sent. Thank you. Alexandra Bowser for the cookies. Thank you. That we were enjoying earlier. What were they in the shape of, Dan? Uh, Rocket Crocodile. And also the Max Fun uh, Rocket Ship logo. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kylie Fong for the paintings. I forgot to show you the paintings. I'll show you after the the show taping. Mm -hmm. And also Liz Young sent some (laughs) gifts. She demanded that we open this one on air. But, uh, and Dan's nothing but a slave to the fans. Well, first, first off, there's some books that aren't wrapped, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that a friend of Mr. Lincoln is meant for Elliot. I, that's, it's probably about me. Interesting. Uh, I don't know this I'm one. guessing that this George R. R. Martin book is meant for Stu, though he probably already has it. Uh, no, I actually don't have this. I have the uh, the individual stories, but I don't have this beautifully illustrated version mm. from uh, with Gary Gianni illustrations. Jer- Gary Gianni is thank the best. you. And by uh, process of elimination, I'm going to keep this copy of The Man Who Fell to Earth, the book, the book, not the movie. But here's this there's something wrapped that was demanded mm. to be opened on the air. It says, To the Flop House, welcome to hell, welcome to hell. So it's okay. a puzzle box of some kind. Well, I guess I'll oh, just wow. solve it's a it. Collection of photos. <laughs> oh look, it's a copy of Raggedy Ann and Andy, oh, a musical adventure. It's so horrible. The movie that I know that uh, Liz Young is bizarrely obsessed with. That's a frightening movie. So very well animated though. Give me the show. They spent a lot scared. of money on it. Thank you very uh, much, Liz. Wow, this is it's all text on the back. As always, gifts to the Flophouse are appreciated, but please don't feel like you have to send us anything. It's very nice, but just being able to do this podcast for you guys is the biggest gift of all. That's some very great uh, reverse psychology, Elliot. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, That's why I'm the Batman villain, the reverse psychologizer. So it's time for letters from listeners. No, no wacky voice for that guy. No, ran out of them. <laughs> Running out of time. <laughs> no, don't have juice for a song. Letters. Let's do this. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's what happens when we watch a two and a half hour movie. That uh, was crazy. Okay. Let me just say one thing, having just said that. Why is two and a half hours now the default time for action adventure films? Or Dan and I. How went, long was that Star Wars we just watched? That was about two and a half hours. Dan and I walked out of Rogue One. We happened to be going to the same screening. Uh, yeah, we would only go to the same screening by accident. <laughs> we, we most certainly would never make plans together. No, mm-hmm. but uh, the we were walking out, and we were talking about how a lot of the great action films of yore that we grew up with are less than two and a half hours. They managed to tell an entire movie in two hours. The original Star Wars, 
less than two hours long, roughly two hours. Raiders of the Lost Ark, roughly two hours or so. And yet somehow it seems to be impossible for people to tell an adventure, even if it's set in a pre-established universe that doesn't need to be introduced in less than two and a half hours. Like Why them is that? Transformers movies, dude. They're so long. Those are like almost three hours and they long. Don't, you don't need, if you made them like 80 minutes long, people would be so pumped. Yeah, they would love it. But you need three hours to set up the fourth episode of the Transformers. You need to have like saga. super elaborate backstories. You need to find you're like, <laughs> we're on contract to have Stanley Tucci doing a bunch of shit. <laughs> yeah. So what's with that next new Transformers movie coming out where they're in King Arthur's Camelot? <laughs> that sounds great. I like that. I don't like the Transformers movies, but I like that they're just like going with the craziest ideas. All right, I guess it's King Arthur time. Like they're gonna get to a point where it's like the Transformers are the patrons of Leonardo da Vinci and he's painting the Sistine Chapel <laughs> and it's Optimus yeah. Prime giving life to humanity or something. Or like I don't he's know like Leonardo, holding him up of to course, the Of course, let me just correct myself. Michelangelo painted that, not Leonardo da Vinci. I apologize for you were saying. He's like holding Michelangelo to the <laughs> ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> By the way, when you said they would love it, I resisted the urge to say they would miss us love it because... The listeners wouldn't realize that was a callback to when we got <laughs> so something. we got so bored watching the movie that we just started singing Sweeney Todd songs. Yeah, they would not have known that. But yeah, Dan and I were singing a lot of Sweeney Todd during Superman v. Batman, and uh, Stuart was like, I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. That, you that's seen that song. movie, right? The Tim Burton? I mean, it's not a bad adaptation, that movie. They cut a lot, but... Yeah, it's a fun movie. So did it's Sweeney a- Todd. Oh! See? I know. I know stuff. From Orsi, Sweeney Todd, the movie. <laughs> Or you go to your local library. <laughs> go to the Sweeney Todd God, section. We're, we're like such fucking nerds tonight, guys. <laughs> He's a demon barber who kills people and puts them into pies. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> Check out Sweeney Todd from your local library. Do-do-do. That was uh, Reading Rainbow for, mm. for adults or theater kids. Uh, this first letter is from Tom, last name withheld, who writes, Tom hey, Jane. Hey, <laughs> stop confusing me with Aaron Eckhart. The Punisher? Hey, floppers. Writing in to share one of my favorite super-specific film types, the environmentalist message movie with a premise that turned out to be totally wrong. My favorite example is the Eddie Murphy vehicle, The Distinguished Gentleman, from 1992, in which he plays a con man who manages to get elected to Congress. Eventually, mm, he leads... Con a- man? Congress? Mm-hmm. Coincid- con- coincidence? <laughs> I think not. He leads a charge against allowing power lines near schools because the electromagnetic radiation had given a bunch of kids cancer. Spoiler alert, this is totally false. I remember seeing this movie as a teenager in the early 2000s, liking its Eddie Murphiness, but thinking that the science seemed off. I did some basic research and was delighted to tell my parents and friends all about how this well-meaning, multi-million dollar movie was so far off the mark. I was a popular child. Just wondering if there are any movies with similarly dated slash disproven premises that tickle you. Yours in floppiness, Tom. So movies with dated or disproven premises based on a false premise. False uh, premise, you say. <clears throat> well, my one of my old saw that always gets me is anytime a movie is based on the premise that Humans only use 10% of their oh, brains. Oh, shit, that was exactly the one I was going to use. <laughs> but if you unlocked 100% of your brain, you'd probably be a god. And, like, Lucy's a pretty fun movie because it's batshit nuts. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the trailers, I was like, come on, are we still doing that? Like, it is similar to if there was a movie where they're like, the earth is flat, 
but what if you could go to the other side of the flat earth and you'd be like, no, everyone knows that's not true anymore. Like it really bugs me that it's still a premise for things. Yeah. Well, you stole mine. So let's go. To school. Uh, <laughs> this, I, I don't think this 100% tracks, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, it doesn't have to be like scientific. Things. I'm going to touch on uh, Zach, an earlier Zack Snyder work, uh, Watchmen, but more, I guess more the comic book, the way that the, the spoiler alert, the comic and the movie are slightly different. And the ending in the comic book features a a faux alien invasion that kills a bunch of people, and it's all a play by Ozymandias to have the world unite against this alien threat who caused this enormous attack on Manhattan. And I feel on some level, and it and it, his plan works almost immediately. And I feel like on some level, uh, the attacks on 9-11 kind of disprove that because I feel like humanity's first response in that kind of situation was to, at least in America, was to point fingers and to get defensive. I guess so. I think the difference is that he's creating an outside threat that all humanity is threatened by, whereas those attacks were from one type of person on another person. Yeah, I guess that's fair, but I mean, it's it seemed like the uh, I guess at the time, uh, it, it felt like uh, people were blaming any like anybody they could blame. What like? Yeah, that's true. Based I mean, as loosely on the information given. Well, didn't the what, what did the movie change it to? They changed because uh, I feel like it works less well in the movie because it isn't an alien like. It's a something it's a involving planetary. Dr. Manhattan or something. Yeah, I believe they they swapped in Do- Dr. Manhattan for the uh mm. for the I for mean, the alien. The ending is still better than the old Sam Ham script that was that was written in the 90s where it was also that Dr. Manhattan was the thing that they had to eliminate if I'm remembering correctly. But at the end of it it ends with they manage to kill Dr. Manhattan before he becomes Dr. Manhattan and time goes all screwy. And Night Owl and Jupiter, Sally Jupiter and Rorschach are sucked through a portal into our world. What? That's the end of the movie. <laughs> that would have been fucking awesome. <laughs> but, um, and then another movie I'm going to talk about, uh, since you guys just uh, pushed back on my initial suggestion, sure, was, yeah. uh, Bounce back. is uh, The Contender, the movie where Joan Allen plays a possible vice presidential candidate whose nomination is challenged by possible questionable photos of her past from when she was in college. And her uh, her nomination is secured when uh, the truth comes out and uh, and people realize uh, people are informed that she was in fact not uh, not a slut. N- not yeah, I guess. Since that's the charge they're letting the, the charge, her. yeah. Uh, Sam Elliott delivers one of the grossest lines <laughs> in, <laughs> in cinema history, <laughs> yeah. And it's delivered sans mustache, so he looks like the fucking Grinch when he does it. It's one where it's like they're talking about the vice president with a dick in her mouth or something like that. <laughs> the American people get stomach a lot, but they can't stomach the image of a vice president with a mouthful of cock. That's what it is. Uh, it's so, gross because it's chauvinistic. <laughs> yeah, and it's gross sounding when he says. <laughs> 
Uh, but I feel like I, I don't know when, if Sam Elliott's saying it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes you want to go sense. out and buy some beef for a hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, for a beef hat, <laughs> hat made out of beef. Is <laughs> Sam Elliott selling it? I'm buying it. You know. But I feel I feel like it's been it's been pretty. I, I don't know. I feel like uh, I'm a little bit down on on the world and politics in general. But I feel like uh, lately. The if a charge like sexual, I don't even want to say misconduct, but if like charges like that were levied against a female politician, it would never go. They would never go away, and the truth coming out will certainly not protect that person, that yeah. politician. That the similar to that, I was thinking about the premise of a lot of movies like A Face in the Crowd or the Penguin Running for Mayor subplot of Batman <laughs> Returns, where someone being caught on tape saying something insulting or horrible ruins their chances at power and office. And similarly, as we saw in this last campaign, if you're the right person, you can say whatever you want yeah, on and tape. The penguin and it does is the not right matter. fucking person, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It feels like there's a there's a double standard if you are a wealthy businessman or if you are a mutant who is found, lives in the sewers. <laughs> if you're a deformed man who eats raw fish in front of your staff and lives in the sewers with a bunch of evil clowns, and he bites the noses <laughs> off of his enemies. So, not even enemies. It was like his campaign staff <laughs> somehow. But they get – like in a face in the crowd, he's caught on camera being like, these stupid idiots. And overnight, his career is over. Whereas now I feel like you have a lot of people like, yeah, he was right. We are stupid idiots. Yeah, you tell them. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Or, oh, that was just Michael Bay magic. <laughs> it was a hoax. Uh, this next letter is from Liam, last name withheld. It goes, hello. Mason. Wow. <laughs> yep, he says, you've taken my daughter. <laughs> you don't understand. I have a certain set of skills. Dark man skills. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but my nose will explode after a certain point in light. <laughs> and that's the, we, we all will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about Dark Man. <laughs> Aren't we all Dark Man, David Hart? That's why the movie was such a hit. <laughs> uh, <you> go, <laughs> Aren't we all fearing the return of Durant? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all die, Dark Man, die? <laughs> when they say die, Dark Man, die, it's like die, all of us die. <laughs> Do not ask die, Dark Man, die. It tolls for thee. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the best subtitles of movies ever. Uh, what a great series. <laughs> oh man. I wish there was a crossover between Darkman and Wishmaster. <laughs> That's the kind of wish that the Wishmaster would grant. Oh. We've got to team up against the Lord of Illusions. <laughs> oh no. Okay, it goes, Hello, Flop Fam. As connoisseurs of fine, bad movies from across decades, nay, centuries. (laughs) Wait, uh, (laughs) no one. Technically correct. There's two centuries of movies. You should be reading this in a uh, Sean Connery from Highlander accent. (laughs) As connoisseurs of fine, bad movies from across decades. Oh, he sounds Egyptian. Nay, centuries. How did Sean Connery get here? No, No one questions your abilities to discern good movies from bad ones. The sacrosanctity of the good-bad-slash-bad-bad-slash-kind-of-like scale is unquestioned and creates clear delineation in how a viewer can describe their feelings on any manner of baddish movie. 
However, I wondered if any of you have ever had trouble owing maybe to personal allegiance or nostalgia admitting that a good movie that you are very attached to is actually a bad movie. For example, in my personal experience, I've recently had to come to terms with the fact that, quote, The Wrong Guy, a 1997 straight-to-video comedy co-written by and starring Dave Foley that I for years would defend as a genuinely good movie that just fell through the cracks, is actually a bad one. Oh, my college girlfriend loved that movie. A good bad one. There's a really great scene in it. Make no mistake. Well, I'm going to... Let's... I have words on this, but but <laughs> a good bad one, make no mistake, but bad nonetheless. Should I just explain that scene before you have a <laughs> no, chance no, no. to talk about it? <laughs> my defenses would my defenses would include that Dave Foley was an underappreciated talent, that Colm Fiore was as, was strong as an unnamed assassin, and that the script was as strong or stronger than most mainstream Big screen comedies. Grading <laughs> on a curve, I see. Really, though, it's just a goofy comedy where Dave Foley sticks his head under a fire hose and tries to use Anime Bag Jones as a passable alias. But it meant a lot to me during a tumultuous teenage episode. So, have any of you ever been Stockholm syndromed by a bad movie into defending slash classifying it as a good one rather than just a bad movie you really liked? Liam, last name withheld. Now, I, I think the. The wrong guy is a good movie. That's all right. So I'm gonna. I mean, to I'm call to call Dave Foley an underrated talent seems crazy, since everybody loves him, and he was the star of a network television show. Mm. He is yeah, yeah. by well, far. How many more I mean, accolades must he? I mean, <laughs> he showered on. <laughs> I mean, there's. I, He's the star of a Bug's Life. I don't I mean, know anyone on. who has a different favorite kid in the hall. That's true. Uh I don't You're Kevin know. McDonald, man. Maybe Kevin McDonald or Scott Tom- or Scott. Thompson. When I was when I Maybe. was watching the show regularly, it was Bruce McCullough. Really? Yeah, I think even, that's changed. Even with those weird beatnik poems that he would do. Yeah, I don't know. I was going through some shit. I mean, they're all pretty great. I love every member yeah, of that all group. And Kevin McDonald's that fucking beard, the vacation beard sketch is my favorite. That's sketch so ever. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It just did think he falls to his death and the beard goes to disappear. I also like the never put salt in your eyes, Kevin McDonald's. Oh, sketch. that's so mm-hmm. good. Uh, let's just talk about Kid and Mall, guys. It's a great show. <laughs> I, I want to go back. I, well, I got to go back and watch all the DVDs. It's a great show. Mm. Anyway, so movies that we like or have liked but are not good, is that what we're getting yeah, at? Yeah, I mean, I tend to... I tend to be in the, like, no no guilty pleasures camp. Like, I tend to think that... If I like a movie, then I will defend it as a good movie. Uh, I, I I know that there are movies that I like that are stupid. Yeah, and there are movies... I won't say that they're bad, but they're certainly I know there are stupid. movies that I like that other people don't like. Yeah. And there's... I feel like I've been... Like, I've enjoyed seeing movies in the movie theater and tricked myself into thinking that meant the movie was good as opposed to I enjoyed the experience oh, of, like... Sure. I mean, fuck, the Star Wars prequels almost fall into that category. Well, that was like I, when I was a kid, when Mars Attacks came out for my birthday, I went with a bunch of kids to go see Mars Attacks. And, like, I had a lot of fun watching with them. But am I – like, Mars Attacks is not the worst movie in the world, but, like, I'm never going to go out of my way to watch Mars Attacks again. I I, I watched that – when I first saw it in the theater, I didn't like it that much. Mm-hmm. And I think I like it more on a more recent viewing than I thought I would. Certainly, it's – I think we live in a world where a movie that's basically just a string of nonsense jokes around alien invasion mm-hmm. has more of a place than it was. Yeah. Well, did. also, like when I was a kid, that movie like offended my sensibilities because it 
was so unpredictable. Like, I'm just yeah. like, what is going on? <laughs> like, all of the people that I thought would survive this movie are dying. And, like, all these random, like, second-tier <laughs> talents are surviving the entire film. Like, and I think that that's the point of the movie. I think the movie exists to disquiet you in that way. I guess so. But I, I have an idea of a movie that I like. But I know is a bad movie. And while watching it, I'm like, this is a bad movie, but I'm still kind of into it. And that would have to be a little movie called Omen 3, (laughs) The Final Conflict, in which that's the one where they take it all the way to the point that Damien, the son from the Omen movies, is president of the United States and is using that power to get kind of to uh to find the next coming of christ as a baby and looking for magic daggers to stab it to death with and it's a crazy movie that ends with them killing damien and then literally christ returns and it ends with the second coming and that's the end of the series and it's like not a very good movie but sam neill is so scene chewing as as date president damien and like i just i admire that the filmmakers were like Hey, yeah, you know what? Let's make Damien the president of the United <laughs> States. Like, it's a crazy concept. Uh, but it's not a good movie. Hmm, bad movie that I like. This movie, uh, it's called Cheeky. It's about butts. <laughs> and it, stars a, la- it stars a lady with a butt. Didn't somebody <laughs> send you that DVD <laughs> yeah. on our podcast? That's right. I think so. I mean, <laughs> it does. You can't, it does but it's not like you're watching that movie and you're like, this is fun. I'm enjoying this story, even though it's not very good. You're just enjoying seeing butts. Yeah. You're not, you weren't watching that. You're like, yeah, I hear this is really good. Uh, I've been reading some good reviews. Is that Nicolas Cage talking, so, uh, trying, to, trying to rationalize I this? I'm trying to do a Dan impression. I believe that uh, Sight and Sound put this on their top. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's, he's in the video store, and he doesn't want to be seen going straight to the adult section. So he's kind of hovering around the part of the comedy section that's next to the adult section. Like, oh, this, this looks good. What's, um, I've it's seen next this. next to Hard Bodies 2. Uh, California, uh, California Hot Tub Company. Uh, let's see. Uh, First off, some uh, kind of car wash thing. My uh, voice is neither nasal nor high. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, oh, what's this? Uh, cheeky. I, I, I think I heard this was good. I'll just get the, you know, and I'll rent uh, another, I'll rent uh, uh, Pelican Brief too. Yeah, I'll just get these two. And then when he gets home, throws Pelican Brief in the garbage. I put it down the drain, the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like oh clumsy me I uh, I microwaved oh, this DVD oh, I but I threw this I accidentally thing in the dropped garbage. Pelican Brief out the window of the car on the way home I guess I have to watch this other one cheeky <laughs> it reminds me of, there was a time when uh when I was very it was still pretty early in my going out with my now wife and we had went on a vacation with her family and we were all like killing time before it was time to go out for dinner and her dad turns on the tv his other channels and he, and he lands on a, on a channel that's showing the show cheaters in which people use the show to catch their <laughs> significant others cheating on them and the host eggs them on to fight each other on camera and he's <laughs> like he's like what's this uh, let's, let's just take a look and see what this is and my wife was like Dad, you love this show. <laughs> like when he was putting on this this playlet of like the man oh, who stumbled on cheaters, <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally not in character oh, for him wow. to want to see that show. You're you're watching him go through an improv routine <laughs> yeah, to rationalize why instead of being like anybody got a character. Okay, my character is a guy who's never seen cheaters before. So so Nicholas Cage is like he has to, and there's nobody else in the house but him. Sure. But he has to go through this elaborate play acting to, to rationalize why he's sitting down 
and watch Cheeky yeah. because he can't admit he just wants to like masturbate to it. When I went to, to put the DVD in the DVD player, it was the the uncooked bag of Redenbacher's. <laughs> I had microwaved the DVD copy of Pelican Brief. I got the popcorn mixed up with the DVD. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to have to watch this other DVD. Uh, which and, I, and eat uncooked popcorn. I thought it was. It's going to be hell on my teeth. It's gonna, I'm going to need some dental work after this. So, uh, silly <laughs> Nick. Silly old Nick Cage. Well, nothing to be done. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to watch Cheeky and chow down on this on this unpopped popcorn. <laughs> he's so committed to He's alone. He has no one to justify to. But he's so committed to the fiction he's, that he has to eat unpopped popcorn. Just to do otherwise would be to admit that he was going to rent Cheeky the whole time. He's at the dentist. The dentist's like, you, you really screwed up your teeth, Nick Cage. What, what oh, let me spin um, you a tale. It was a, long, it was a long story. Certainly it had nothing to do with me wanting to by myself achieve orgasm. That was not the intention at any point. I mean, to say, I'd be lying if I said it didn't end in that, but never motivated. It was not premeditated. It all started when <laughs> I... I I didn't have enough gas to make it to the Blockbuster video at home, so I went to Family Video. I, I had to go to the local video town, which is not as not as widespread a chain. I don't like it as much because it has the large pornography section. <laughs> I don't take my kids there, but I mean, I have an account there, sure, because sometimes maybe you run out of gas on the way to Blockbuster, which does not carry pornography, and that's why I prefer to go there. But in this case, I had to go to this one, and you know, I was... I, I don't know if maybe the lights were turned off and I picked up the wrong box or I was misread it. I don't know. Maybe someone called out my name and I was meant to pick up the box for uh, Pretty in Pink or uh, The Great Mouse Detective. And instead I picked up this 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 box for Cheeky and, of course, Pelican Brief, my favorite film. Uh, and I take it home and maybe someone and called out my name again while I was putting the I popcorn. Would be, I would be loath to admit the, the true demon in this story when I bought some Orville Redenbacher's microwave. <laughs> Popcorn. <laughs> Certainly, I bought it at the at the movie theater, just uh, at the video store, just one bag. Someone for who was a in, single movie viewing. Someone who was intending to masturbate would never get popcorn because you would want your hands free to manipulate your genitals. And it would be. <laughs> And it would be truly disgusting. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot no, of sense. No more Nick questions. Cage. Me, oh, detective, wow. me d- dentist Columbo. <laughs> oh, just one more thing. <laughs> just, just one more question. Uh, had you rented, rented this movie Cheeky before? I, yeah, I had made that mistake. Oh, okay. That made case closed. <laughs> Take him away, boys. You're living in a dystopian future where it's against the law to masturbate. Oh, wow. You'd think they'd ban pornography. Nope, we skipped right ahead. It was a real chicken or the egg thing. We're really into entrapment. <laughs> so anyway, Dan, was there another letter or was that? No, that, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's two, but I'm gonna, we're running so long. I'm going to just, I'll just do one of these. Okay. Um, this is from Connor, last name withheld. Connor McLeod. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, too. <laughs> hey, floppers. I recently watched Andre Rubelov. Okay. Something in the strenuous pacing and long stretches of silence felt familiar, even though I hadn't seen any other Tartovsky films. It all came together when I learned that Andre Konchovalisky, a co-writer on Andre Rubelov, went on to direct Tango and Cash. <laughs> Do you see any foreshadowing of the great film in early Tartofsky movies? 
Or conversely, do you see any influences of Tango and Cash that could have come from working with Tarkovsky? Love Connor last name withheld. I didn't realize that, but I love it. I mean, I know that they had a lot of problems on the set of Tango and Cash because they were working with the director. They didn't feel really understood the type of movie they were making. <laughs> I will say, I don't know if you guys have seen Andre Rublev. Nope. Is, a is ver- there anything like Tango and Cash? It is very not like Tango and Cash, but considering it is a long film about a very bleak period in Russian history and one uh, and kind of the way that man creates religious art to either escape that or or try to find some grace in the world, there's a sequence in it. If you don't want to sit through all of Andre Rublev, and maybe you don't want to, there's a sequence in it in which a town is casting a bell for a church, and this young guy whose father was a bell caster, he says, I'll do it, I'll do it. And the way that sequence is paced feels like a Hollywood movie. Hmm. It feels like this is the protagonist. He's got this crazy goal. He's going to push it through as as hard as he can by making these people work in a way they've never worked before. And it feels really suspenseful whether this bell is going to get finished and actually ring or crack when they finish it. And like that sequence feels like a Hollywood sequence. Mm-hmm. The rest of the movie does not. And then the guy pull, pushes down the bell maker and, say, and puts a chair over <laughs> his head. And then says something about spaghetti. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's, that he, doesn't put same? A, he doesn't put a chair over his head. I think you're talking about the scene where the cop, the dirty cop, goes into the fridge to take out his food. And that's right. when he closes the door, Sylvester Sloan's standing right there and he goes, Well, I see, from what you're eating, I see you haven't been watching your, watching your weight. Guess you're too busy looking at the drugs you planted to set us up. <laughs> something like that. That's right. But uh, Andre Rublev, it's worth watching the bell casting. Okay. Scene, part of it. I mean, the whole movie is worth it, but if you're going to see anything, see the bell casting. Again, what you missed at home was while Ellie was talking about Andre Rublev, uh, Stuart was loudly paging through his copy of A Night of the Seven as Kingdoms. As if I'm the one who brought up the film. <laughs> as if I wasn't directly addressing a letter. And, and as Andre if we weren't Rublev talking about... When that when that came up, Elliot started salivating and couldn't couldn't wait. He was chomping at the bit. To start talking, start talking about it. Because I really like that sequence, especially. You could have talked about Tango and Cash, though. That was a perfect opportunity. I mean, it was a yeah, literal you could invitation to That's true. talk about Tango okay. and Cash. Well, the sequence Andre Rublev is called The Bell. Okay, cool. Any more letters, Dan? Uh, <laughs> I said expressly that I was skipping the final letters. Okay, letter, so. let's get right to the next segment of this podcast is <laughs> recommendations. And let's do this one super fast because it's late. Okay. so and you've I, been listening for a long time. I haven't had a lot of time to watch movies lately other than uh, Rogue One twice. More thoughts on that later. Uh, <laughs> on, on the show or not? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe afterwards. Whenever uh, Star Wars Minute gets to it. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and I have been at home playing a lot of Nitro Plus Blasters, in, uh, Heroin's Infinite Duel. It's a lot of backstory <laughs> for a quick recommendation. And a plug for this video For, for game. Nitro Plus Blasters, Heroin's Infinite Duel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's super great. And I, but I'm going to plug a movie that I hosted a screening of at the Alamo Draft House about a month ago, uh, called The Gate. Mm. Uh, it's a Canadian horror movie from 1987 starring Stephen Dorff. Uh, you might remember him as a. As Dorff goes fishing. <laughs> yep. As a, uh, as a bloodsucker from the first Blade movie. And this movie is when he was a little baby boy. And it's about a couple of young teens who uh, get involved with a portal to hell opening in their backyard. 
while their parents are out of town. And it is a lot of fun. Um, it's very much of a time. The special effects are great. It still features one of my all-time favorite special effects shots. And uh, yeah, so if you're looking for a movie that's pretty light and has some cool special effects and uh, yeah, is is pretty fun, go check it out. The Gate. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that I saw around the holidays and is vaguely holiday related in its first hour, although not for the rest of the movie. That is Fanny and Alexander, which is Ingmar Bergman's final film. It's, that he directed. That he directed. He wrote some others after that. <clears throat> it's three hours long, unless you're watching the television version, which is closer to five. And, in, and Jaleel White's in it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> As Urkel, yeah. And the California Raisins <laughs> I thought come it was in. Ste- he was in oh, wow. Stefan or Urkel. <laughs> oh, good point, good point. I'm sorry, you're right. He comes uh, on Stefan Urkel and Urkelbot. But uh, the first time. Ingmar <laughs> Bergman's The Passion of Urkelbot. <laughs> <laughs> the first hour is a mostly happy but bittersweet sort of uh, portrait of a holiday, a Christmas holiday um, around the turn of the century. and uh, But then it turns into a kind of a harrowing story for the second two hours of a woman and her children uh, being in a sort of abusive household led by a man of the cloth. Uh, so that's kind of hard to get through, but there's a, uh, take heart. There's a magical realism sort of rescue at the end and the movie ends on a hopeful note. But, uh, I thought it was a really beautiful movie. Um, it runs the spectrum of human emotion. It's very honest. Uh, it, uh, looks beautiful. It's a movie where the cinematography is not doing anything sort of obviously showy to make it look beautiful. But it's beautiful nonetheless. Um, and uh, I don't know. I hadn't seen a lot of Bergman. I'd seen uh, uh, Wild Strawberries and Smiles of a Summer Night. But this uh, was was quite a film. And I recommend it highly. And I'm going to recommend a newer movie. Huh? What? That people may have already what heard of or seen. Yep. It doesn't really need my recommendation, but of the new slate of movies that I've seen, I really enjoyed, I guess enjoyed is the wrong word, I found really powerful uh, the movie Moonlight, directed by Barry Jenkins, which mm. is a set of three chapters kind of in the life of a first young boy and then young man growing up. Uh, in a tough situation with a drug-addicted mother who has a... I guess I don't want to talk too much about what happens in the kid's life because it's not like there's a suspenseful plot, but the way that the character's life and path (coughs) unfolds is there's something in discovering it as it goes on that's both very, like, painful to watch but also surprising and interesting. But uh, Moonlight, I thought it was really, really good. And he, he, Barry Jenkins, of course, made a previous movie, Medicine for Melancholy, featuring friend of the Flophouse, Wyatt Cenac. Oh, and cool. while not quite as polished a film as Moonlight, it's still worth seeing. So I'll recommend both Moonlight and Medicine for Melancholy. So two very classy recommendations and The Gate. <laughs> hey, everybody's allowed <laughs> to have their own thing, Dan. Yeah, dude. <laughs> So, uh, hey guys, we finally did a show that it was shorter than the movie we were. But it's but, oh, well, it's but so barely, fucking long. barely. It's still like uh, a long episode. So barely. first off, if you want to listen to some, hour. if you want to listen to some better shorter podcasts, go over to Maximum Fun. There's a bunch of other podcasts there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our true. network. 
Uh, there's some great ones. If you want to listen to one of us that's like super longer, we just did a guest uh, episode of The Adventure Zone. Three and a half hours long. And boy, longer is than it Fanny longer Alexander. than it needed to be. <laughs> if uh, only you guys had figured out the mystery faster. Well, when I, when I listening to it, I was like, why are we wasting so much time ordering drinks in this bar when we could have just said, okay, we go to the party the next day. <laughs> <laughs> now, welcome to my world. <laughs> I think I literally said at one point, like, all right, we're 30 minutes in and we haven't gotten our mission yet. <laughs> but anyway, Max Fun has a lot of great podcasts mm-hmm. and you should listen to them. Yeah, and we're going to be part of a show in February, the very, very fun day, a one-day event uh, with Max Fun Podcast and a couple of local Chicago podcasts in Chicago, mm-hmm. February 11th. Um, and I think that's it for plugs. And I if think- I could put in a plug for my other show, Presidents or People Too, which is available either through Audible or if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can get it that way. Or it's on iTunes now. Presidents are people too. It's, it's about a great presidents. Show. Picking up some steam. Oh, thanks. It's a very different show than this. It is a. It's it has still, content. It has actual factual content. And it's much shorter. It's much shorter. Each episode is less than a half hour long. And people trim Elliot's voice down. They, you have an editor. And if you want to, and you know what? If you can go on, want to go on iTunes and review the Flophouse or Presidents are People too. I went on recently. That was a mistake, and saw how many of the reviews are about how irritating my voice is. So if you like these shows, and how pleasant Alexis's voice is. Uh, I mean, that was implied, I guess. <laughs> Just go on and give us some reviews, or talk about on Twitter how much you like the Flop House. I don't know. Go out there and viral market for us. <laughs> yeah, Word of mouth, people. Earn works. your keep. Earn your keep. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's all for this time. Around in the delightful place we call the Flop House. Uh, it's not a new thing you're doing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying outline. to mix it up. Dan's always looking for his new closing line. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I am Stuart Wellington. Years from now, the tribes will tell a legend of a man named Elliot Kalin. But it'll be a different guy than me who had the same name. Good night, everyone. Bye. Hot nudity. <laughs> this is the Get level. Get your hot nudity here, everyone. Oh, this is the level at which I'm operating tonight. Okay. Extra, is... extra. Get your red hot nudity. Very titillating. <laughs> People without their clothes. No clothes or your money back. See the parts you don't normally see. Usually, you have to imagine nudity like this. Everybody will be wearing suits. Birthday suits. (laughs) Society has deemed your natural interest in these parts shameful. (laughs) Pay to be relieved of that socially induced guilt for but a moment. This is all gold. So, (laughs) Fool's gold. (laughs) The Joker, of course, the ultimate fool. The clown prince of crime. (laughs) <laughs> Do we just solve a Riddler's riddle? Is that what happened? Yeah, well, it's like in the Batman show, they would make up their explanations. There's my favorite part yeah. of Batman 66 is when uh, he goes, that shark was almost pulling my leg like some kind of riddle. The Riddler. It's like, no, dude, that does not count. <laughs> Batman just goes and like is like beating the shit out of the Riddler. The Riddler's like, I don't know what I did. <laughs> I, I am innocent of this. <laughs> Uh, You ready, Stu? Hell yeah.
the dawn comes in on little cat feet. Of course, Catwoman. <laughs> Every morning, that's how he reacts. <laughs> <laughs> the first time he sees two people, he goes, two faces. Two face, of course. <laughs> oh, bad no, no, can I have more good ones? Uh, Bruce Wayne, you actually have a sort of associative disorder in which you associate just random occurrences with these villains you seem to have met that nobody else has seen. Oh, shit, I'm running late. I'm looking at my watch. A watch is a clock. It was Clock King! (laughs) He made me late for this movie! What's the date today? Let me check. Calendar Man. (laughs) Uh, okay. And the killer was wearing Crocs. (laughs) Of course, Killer Croc! (laughs) So, Dan, uh, should we do one of those intro things? This is all bloops for the ending, right? These are some prime bloops. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, they're really going to want to stick around. (laughs) We're going to have to put a fucking thing on the box so people know they should stick around for the unrated bloops at the end. Stay tuned for the deleted scene. Don't leave when the credits rolls because the fun has just begun. Make sure to put the kids to bed when the credits roll so they don't hear these fucking unrated bloops. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Hi, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we're the hosts of Rose Buddies. It's a podcast about the Bachelor family of products. We watch The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. Yes, it is garbage television, but we're the king and queen of this garbage pile. We're the raccoons in charge around here. So join us on Tuesdays. Because the TV show's on Mondays. And basically we'll recap what we saw and we'll just sort of scoop the garbage around us and make a little fort out of it. No viewing required. But it's it's a good TV show. What are you doing? <laughs> 